Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of June 13th, 2022, including the Xbox and Bethesda 2022 showcase was this past weekend, and with it, we got tons of reveals and gameplay demos that have outlined the games Xbox players can expect to play over the next 12 months. Stay tuned for all that and more. hours after the big Xbox and Bethesda showcase, Summer Showcase 2022. I, uh, I don't really know how we're going to do this one. I've So what happened was, I'm recording this podcast right now, almost exactly two hours after the event. During the show, I, I just took notes as things were happening. And then once the show wrapped up, I took some time to just think about things, kind of get a read on the internet's reception, and then uh, fleshed out some of my notes with some further details by just kind of researching, seeing what I missed rewatching some trailers, whatever. So basically this week's episode is going to be just recapping the entire event, analyzing the games announced, going over some things, hot takes, cold takes, hot ones, because we got uh, Sean from Hot Ones on the show this week. That's not true, but wouldn't that be cool? Guys, you might be wondering yourself, it's Monday morning. Why the fuck am I getting Xbox on? Well, if you're a bad listener if you don't know why, because I told you last week, Last week's show was delayed a day to accommodate Summer Games Fest, and this week's episode is moved up to Monday instead of Thursday to accommodate the Xbox Game Showcase. So everything's out of whack. Nothing makes sense anymore. But uh, yeah, here you go. You're getting this week's episode early. Now, the question, will there be a regular Xbox on episode this Thursday as always? As of now, this episode serves as this week's only episode, but if enough new information happens over the next couple of days to warrant doing a regular Thursday show, then we will do an additional show. So as of now, the plan is you will still get the same number of shows you would otherwise get. The dates are just all kind of out of whack. You will get an additional episode only if there's an, I mean, because the show's going live Monday, Thursday's three days away at the time you're listening to this. You know, I don't know that there's really enough time for anything substantial to happen. So I'm not going to, you know, record a show just for the sake of recording a show with no actual news to discuss. So for the time being, just assume that this is the episode for the week of June 13, 2022. All right, with that out of the way, guys, we are going to solely focus on the event this week. Know what I've been eating. I know it's the most critical part of the show, but I guess you could say this isn't that important of an episode if we're not even going to talk about what I'm what I'm eating. We're just going to talk about the event itself, and then at the end, we'll do some comments, mostly comments pertaining to the show itself, but that it's basically just those two things. So let's jump right in. I, I think I have a pretty organized take here, because uh, we're literally going to talk about the, these games in the orders, in the order in which they were all shown. So... Yes, spoiler alert, that means we're doing Starfield last, but don't worry, that's not that's not even really my biggest game, so it's not even like the hottest, sexiest take you're going to get here, so obviously I know for most people that is the biggest game that was shown, but don't worry, we're going to start with, we'll start with Redfall, and we got a lot of good shit to talk about, 
Now, I do want to preface with this because I expected a lot of people were going to be disappointed with this show. And I was pleasantly surprised, but surprised nonetheless to see that. I think people were overall pretty satisfied with it. I don't know what it is, man. Am I just a Debbie Downer or Xbox fans like way too like easy to please? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's neither. Maybe it's just some something in the middle. Maybe I'm just a little bit pessimistic when I don't need to be, and uh, people are just easily pleased with exciting news. I don't know, but people seem really hyped on the show, which is pleasant to see. But I was I was not personally really thrilled with what we got. I don't think this was a bad showing, and in fact. Even though it's, it might sound bad that I'm here telling you I, I was pretty disappointed in the showing, I do want to say I'm actually, I actually want to give big props to Xbox on how they handled this show. And I, this this show, despite not being the most exciting showcase for me in terms of the games that it, it showed, I, I thought this, this, uh, this showcase was a demonstration or an example of how good Xbox is can be when it comes to taking feedback into consideration and altering their messaging and their approach and and how they do business when it comes to, you know, what their fans say and expect of them. And I I got it, you know, last, last year's showcase, I was a little hypocritical or sorry, I was, I was a little critical. And for me to be critical again this year, for the reasons I'm about to be critical and not acknowledge this, it'd make me seem like a hypocrite. So we have to acknowledge in 2020, two years ago, Xbox had a killer showcase. They showed so many fucking games. They announced so many fucking games. It was excellent. And then in 2021, last year, they had a really solid showing, but they basically just ignored everything they announced in 2020 and just announced a whole bunch of new shit. And then this year, the event we literally just watched, they ignored everything from 2020 and everything from 2021, and they just talked about a bunch of indie games that are coming out in the next couple months, almost exclusively. We I, we did get updates on some games from last year, but here's the thing is, Xbox shot themselves in the foot so damn bad a few years ago when they announced a million games that were nowhere near close to being ready to show, and were definitely nowhere near close to being ready to launch. And we knew it at the time. I mean, no one fucking saw the trailer for Fable and thought, oh, we're going to get that in the next year. You know, no one saw the trailer for um, Outer World 2 last year and thought, oh, that's on the way soon. They even made fun of it in the trailer themselves by acknowledging, like, we are announcing this prematurely. Do not expect this game anytime soon. You know, we got to get Avowed out the door before we can get to Outer Worlds 2. So we know a lot of the games that we've been thinking about in terms of the future of Xbox have been far, far on the horizon. And the, the problem is now we're starting to really feel the consequences, the negative effects of that decision Xbox made all those years ago, because here we are getting our, you know, this summer's big showcase. And I can't help but react like, well, shit, man, where are all those games you showed us two years ago and a year ago? And, and the thing is, it's like if you're going to show a game, even if it's premature, you got to understand that your fans and your viewers are going to expect an update on that game the next time you have a big showcase and, and, and you know you host some event where you got something to say. It's a pretty rational and reasonable expectation on behalf of your audience. I really don't think that's a an unfair expectation on behalf of the audience, you know. Starfield actually before Xbox even bought Bethesda when Bethesda was still completely independent from Microsoft, that was the big criticism of of Bethesda was like Dude, they announced Starfield, which was a little premature. Well, it was pretty premature. And on top of that, in the same announcement, they announced that they were working on Elder Scrolls 6. It's like that was a terrible, terrible idea for Bethesda to do that. Because now everyone's just going to spend the rest of forever being like, okay, Bethesda, 
Where's Elder Scrolls 6? We know it's many, many years away. We know that by the time Elder Scrolls 6 actually launches, it'll probably have been like 10 to 12 fucking years from the time they announced it. It will be the next Kingdom Hearts 3, mark my words. But still, it's like, then you shouldn't have announced it. You set the expectation. Why would you tell your audience, hey, we have something really exciting that we want to share with you if you have no reason to share it? And I think that is the precedent for why this show disappointed me. But in the same breath, I had to give them credit because my big criticism was I wish Xbox, in general, I wish everyone would stop talking about games unless they were ready to show them. You know, we like I constantly rag on Bioware and EA because they're always talking about the next Mass Effect, the next Dragon Age. It's like fuck off here. Like like the next Mass Effect is probably like it's probably like a fucking doodle in some guy's notebook. And the next Dragon Age has been scrapped like three times over and everyone who's ever even remotely worked on it has quit on the project. Like fuck off. We're so far from those games yet they always talk about them with nothing to show. That's the thing is I want to get away from that trend so bad in the industry. And I got to give Xbox credit here because with this showcase, they said up front, they said, hey, we're only talking about games that you will be playing in the next 12 months, which I have massive respect for. I love the idea of going into a showcase and be like, wow, every game I'm about to see, you know, pending some unforeseen delay, which is probably going to happen to most of these games because that's just what happens these days, you know, pending any delays. Every game we saw today should be out in the next 12 months, with the exception of one game that was shown toward that was not even shown, but discussed towards the end of the showcase. We'll get to that. But I, I love that. I, I respect the hell out of Xbox for doing that. And I think that's exactly how it should be done. Now, the problem is, again, two years ago, they announced like 45 million games that are not going to be out in the next 12 months from now. Here we are in 2022. And so it's still frustrating. That's like, damn, where is where's Fable? You know, where is this? Where is that? And so we'll, we can get to that in the end. I think in the end, we can. Ha- there's going to be more to say on that. But I think that's going into it. What had me frustrated was that it, there's just so much I'm curious to get an update on. But instead, we got so much other stuff. And it makes for a weak show because now X- we know Xbox has so many heavy hitters coming in the, in the future. But they can't talk about those heavy hitters because they blew their wad too early. It's not time to talk about it. And now when they try to make amends and do the right thing by only talking about things that will actually be playing soon, it kind of seems lackluster in comparison to previous years because they're not prematurely announcing a bunch of crazy games that, you know, so that that's that's the precedent for like where my disappointment stems from. But I don't mean to I don't mean it just to say, well, shame on Xbox. They had they put on a bad show because they didn't talk about new games that are coming out in three or four years from now. I want to give them credit. They made what I think is the difficult but correct choice by only talking about games that are actually coming soon. And I think this is a great way for Xbox to address a problem that they have struggled with way more than Nintendo, way more than Sony, way more than anyone else in the industry, which is prematurely announcing a game that is so far off in development that there's a potential that that game might get canceled or that game might evolve into something entirely different, which we saw with fucking Scalebound. We saw that with Phantom Dust. We've seen that happen time and time again. Like Halo could have been in a better position had they just not marketed it so heavily like it was getting ready to to come out in time like they had. So I think Xbox is making the right decision here. But because of the mistakes leading up to this point, it's made this showcase come off as a little lackluster. So I, I think that's that's what I want to say to pre- to preface this. And that's just to give proper context and to give Xbox the benefit of the doubt. Now, with that out of the way, let's just jump into the show in the order of in the order in which these games were shown. I think the show started out pretty damn strong. Obviously, everyone was expecting going into 2022 that the big games were going to be Redfall and Starfield. And then 
recently we found out both of those games were going to get delayed into 2023. Not surprising. Again, every fucking game gets delayed at least a year, so that's not crazy news. But it does leave 2022 looking pretty dry by comparison. We're going to find out what 22 looks like now because of this. But they did start out by, as promised by saying, hey, here's what Redfall looks like. And so, and this is another great thing they did. Aside from keeping expectations in check by only showing games that we're actually going to be getting within the next 12 months, another really excellent thing Microsoft did with this showcase is they almost exclusively showed gameplay footage instead of CGI trailers. Another example of Microsoft really taking criticism to heart and really doing the right thing. You know, even in some cases where gameplay didn't look as good as we thought it should, they still did the right thing by saying, if we're going to show a game, we're going to show you the gameplay. So I want to give another shout out to Xbox. They did the right thing here. Game the the, the show opened perfectly. You, I, I don't think they could have done a better open. Redfall. It's a it's a big first party game. We know is on the near horizon. They opened right with that game, and they didn't open with with Phil Spencer or Sarah Bond or someone trying to tell us something. They didn't open with a CGI trailer that led into gameplay. No, they just went straight to gameplay. Like here's Redfall. Boom. Here's what it looks like in action. And I gotta be honest, Redfall looks. Fantastic. I think this game looks so cool. I think this was a killer opening. It has very Left 4 Dead vibes, but you can also tell it's a lot more dynamic and tactical because there are upgrades, there are skill trees. Every character, like a, like in a, like a hero shooter where every character controls and feels a little different, has different abilities, and it, it, so it's not straight up like Left 4 Dead where it's like you just pick a body, pick up a gun, and shoot some zombies. But no, it does have a, you can tell there's a lot of influence from games like Left 4 Dead in the DNA of Redfall, and I mean that in the best way possible. It looks like it, it, they, they advertise that you can play it solo or co-op, which is a huge plus for me because I will probably almost definitely be playing this game solo 99% of the time. I don't know what to say. I think this game looks fucking cool. The main the main uh, uh, female character that they always show off for the game, she looks awesome. Like, she's got that fucking elevator telekinesis ability where she, like, throws a fucking, like, force field shaped like an elevator out into the middle of a, of a battle, and she, like, walks up into it and just jumps her up in the fucking air, and she pulls out her gun, starts shooting vampires in the head and all this crap. It looks insanely cool, and I love how they did an amazing job of displaying the ways you can approach the game because you can see there's the two players, and they were like, approaching these two vampires in the middle of this like town square where there's like lights and stuff and they're trying to stay sneaky and in the shadows and they were like trying to time in do do these uh, headshots and then i was like ah shit are they gonna try to make this a more stealth based game and then they intentionally showed they're like oops they got caught now they gotta go in guns a blazing i guess a new approach to kind of show off that the game can be played in many forms you can do it more guns a blazing style or you can do more tactical however you prefer i love it the weapons look awesome the, the gameplay, it's it's one of those trailers where you can see, you can watch the game in action and you can feel it. Like, I know what this game feels like just by watching this gameplay. It was the perfect demonstration. Now, of course, I could be wrong, and I hope I'm not, but this game looks like it's going to be so much fun. This genuinely looks like a great joy, a fantastic get uh, for Xbox. This is probably, honestly, a shout out to um, Arcane. This is Arcane Austin who's doing this. Arcane has a team. Where they're from, they're French. They're French, right? Yeah. So they're they're the one studio in France, the one studio in Austin, Texas, and this is from their Texas team. And like, dude, shout out to Arcane because these guys churn. They they have a really amazing release schedule. Arcane has kind of proven themselves to be the insomniac of Team Xbox, where it's like, how the fuck are they putting out another game? They just put out a game, you know? It's like they ju- dude, they just did Deathloop a year ago. How the hell is Redfall already so close? And, like, you look over at PlayStation, they have the same thing with Insomniac. It's like, dude, how the fuck? 
they just put out Ratchet and Clank right after Miles Morales, which came out shortly after Spider-Man, and now they've already announced fucking Wolverine and Spider-Man 2. How are they doing it? And so, shout out to Arcane for being really, really good at just constantly, like, we got the next game, we got the next game, and it's never compromised. Their games are always of a very high quality, very polished, very fully realized, even though Arcane games technically and historically haven't always been my types of games, although... I really do need to get back to Prey because I think I would love that game. This this feels like, just by what we saw today, this it feels like a game that I, I'm very confident I will very much enjoy, and I'm really looking forward to it. So Redfall was an excellent start. Um, they just gave it a generic 2023 release date. But again, they said everything we saw today would be out in the next 12 months. So barring any additional delays, Redfall should be out before next June. So I, I assume they're looking, you know, they're targeting a spring release date. And of course, you know, and I'll, I'll note when these are Game Pass games or not. Almost everything shown was a Game Pass game. And of course, Redfall is a Game Pass game. It's first party owned now. Obviously, and this this goes without saying, as we have mentioned many times in the past, Xbox's biggest sell in the year 2022 is not is no longer about selling you an Xbox console or a PC It's about selling you a Game Pass subscription. So, you know, the whole push is Game Pass. Everything is more on the focus of like, these are the next 12 months of games you'll be getting on Game Pass rather than on Xbox. Because they did announce a handful of games that were actually only on PC, but they're on Game Pass. So, of course, something to note. Now, the next game they showed was Hollow Knight Silksong. Now, this is the sequel to Hollow Knight. This, uh, my understanding is this game has been announced and people knew that it was coming, but they had not done a gameplay reveal until this point. So they showed, you know, a quick minute or two trailer, show off what the game looked like. As someone who never played Hollow Knight, I can tell you to me, it just looked exactly like more Hollow Knight. You could have told me it was DLC and I wouldn't have known any different. But I know this is a game that is insanely popular. People absolutely love this game. Um, and this will undoubtedly be a big deal when it comes out. This game is launching into Game Pass day one. They did not put a release date on it, but again, I assume, you know, it's supposed to come out sometime early next year or something like that because everything shown is supposed to be out in the next 12 months. So Hollow Knight, this game will be multi-platform, no doubt, but it's launching into Game Pass. So what a great deal for Xbox fans. Again, Hollow Knight 1 was a beloved game. Highly adored uh, Metroidvania-style cross with like a Soulsborne-type game. I, I Again, I've never played it, so... If, I, if I'm not mistaken, the first Hollow Knight launched on PC and Nintendo Switch, right? And then and then eventually came to Xbox and PlayStation, if I'm not mistaken. So launching day one into Game Pass is a pretty big turnaround, although I'm, I'm sure it's targeting a day one release on all platforms. But yeah, so Hollow Knight, Silk Song, I have nothing to say to this. And, and I'm not going to sit here and waste your time trying to really analyze some of these games if i if they didn't resonate with me if i didn't get anything out of them i'm not going to sit here and dwell on it redfall is obviously a game that i think looks quite phenomenal and i'm really excited for more of hollow knight no offense it's not my thing i know it's a great game for a lot of people um but you know the sequel they showed gameplay and you'll get it on game pass moving on and again let me reiterate this the show started out pretty strong so it's like you got a pretty big first party game then you got a pretty big indie follow-up as your second game and then next they had a whole new game that is coming out in just a few months. This is, hey, this is the thing I'm always asking for. It's like, hey, get, show us a game that's like a pretty noteworthy game, not like just some small four-man indie game. Or like, show me like a pretty moderate to large game that you got on the way and announce it and show it with gameplay a few months before it comes out. And that's exactly what they did with this next game. So they introduced Hinge on Life, which is set to come out this October. So, you know, it was like four months away. And this is this will launch into Game Pass when it comes out, and is a console console launch exclusive. So it'll come to Xbox and PC, and then later down the road it can come to other platforms. So 
big get for Xbox. It was announced. It'll be. It was announced for Xbox. It will launch in a Game Pass. It will be out in a few months. It looks really cool, and we get it exclusive for a while. So that's. I think this is a huge get. This is a really good way to help start out your showcase. So it's being developed by Squanch Games. I have no idea who these guys are, and I have no idea if this is their first title. I, I failed to actually double check on that one. Um, but it is being worked on from the writers or the creators of Rick and Morty. So and you can tell immediately. It feels like like if you're not if you're not careful, if you don't know any better or do your research, you would think this is literally just a fucking Rick and Morty first person shooter, which sounds weird. But the voice acting and the humor and the writing are entirely Rick and Morty, which at first was immediately a turnoff to me because they they make they they are immediate with mentioning, hey, it's it's from the Rick and Morty guys, and then the, the characters start talking, and you're like, oh yeah, that's Rick and Morty. I personally dislike Rick and Morty, so to me, I was like, this is not. I don't want this. This is not fun but i would be lying to you if i told you this game does not look like a good time because it it sure looks good um so cartoony style artistic whatever first person shooter game looks pretty decent budget as well and the the you're on like some alien planet i don't know i i I watched the trailer twice i don't get it it's like humans are being uh kidnapped and enslaved for this alien race or something like that so like this alien race is helping you like free humans or something like that, but the the aliens are all they all look like guns or weaponry. So like you play as an alien or a human or something, and like you hold these guns, but the guns are like aliens. They have like eyes and mouths and shit, and they're all like ridiculous ratchet and clank style guns where they all can do like silly things like shoot bombs and discs and like crazy lasers and stuff. So it's all fun. It's humorous. The game is supposed to be in, in very heavy on the writing and the humor. Um, and it's supposed to be a lighthearted, but still adult themed because it is very violent uh, first person shooter. And I don't know. It has a lot of odd world strangers wrath vibes, which is a very OG Xbox game. Uh, you'll remember that odd world game. That was a first person shooter where you f- shot little fucking aliens out of your um, like, uh, what, what was it? It was like a, a crossbow and stuff like that. So, I don't know. It has a lot of that, but it, it it's also, you know, very within the, I feel like within the theme of Xbox. It's uh, raunchy. It's very American. It's very violent. And it's uh, humorous and all these things. So, it looks, it's a first-person shooter, which is, of course, authentically Xbox. I think this is a great get. I think people will really enjoy this game. It, it will definitely appeal to that. I wrote in my notes. I, I just write, like, really stupid, fast notes while I'm watching the presentation just to, like, help like notes that shouldn't make sense to anyone hearing them, but make sense to me because it'll help pull me back into the headspace I was in while I was wa- watching the event and writing notes. So I literally wrote <laughs> console exclusive launch game pass Squatch games for those Rick and Morty slash Deadpool kids that probably wear black hoodies even when it's summertime. Looks fun, unique, and annoying. Stranger's Wrath meets Rick and Morty. Definitely will give it a go. So I, I don't know. I, th- I think the game looks pretty fun. I, I think a lot of people seem really hyped on it as soon as it was, as it was announced. So this this should be a pretty fitting get and uh, fit nicely into Xbox into get sorry into Game Pass and in a year like 2022, which is so incredibly just dry on on content, this is going to be a nice little. Uh, game that can kind of shine and fill in some of the space, you know, while people have no choice to play anything new other than Modern Warfare or um, Hogwarts Legacy. All right, next up, they had a pretty big announcement that this is one of those, like, this was this year's equivalency of, like, oh, yeah, and now now EA Play is just part of Game Pass. Fuck you. Here's more value. So this year's version of that kind of announcement happened right after uh, Hinge on Life was announced. And it was that Riot Games, all their mobile and PC games will now be included on Game Pass. 
and on all their games, I don't really. They make like they have like six games. I don't really know them. I just know League of Legends and Valorant. But all their games across all their video games. If you're a Game Pass subscriber, you'll get free access to those games, whether it's on mobile or PC, and you'll get all the characters unlocked in those games. So, like, for example, League of Legends, I, that's their game I'm most familiar with because my, my, my friends used to play it all the time. I know that's a game where it's like it has a shit ton of characters and you can buy them all individually. That's a huge way the game makes its money is by buying characters and buying skins. All the characters are automatically unlocked if you're a Game Pass subscriber. That is a huge value. I know it's a little more niche than something like EA Play where it's a wide variety of genres and games for people to sink their teeth into, right? It's a little more narrow and specific and niche and also their games aren't available on xbox so this is only for pc and mobile but this is a really really good value this is one of those like fuck you added value things and honestly you can tell by the way they target this this deal that this is more about getting people to subscribe to game pass who aren't necessarily xbox gamers um, and more about trying to find ways to tap into the pc market in the mobile market and get those users to to uh, subscribe to game pass so Keep that in mind. This is a very, very important thing to note. Xbox wants Game Pass subscribers more than anything. And they know that they aren't limited strictly to Xbox users to get those Game Pass subscribers. If they could put Game Pass on PlayStation 5, they would. And they would ask PlayStation gamers to subscribe to Game Pass. Unfortunately, that's not an option, at least not yet. So right now, they're targeting after these other markets that have massive install bases, way larger than Xbox does like mobile, like PC. And so the, these are the things they're going to do. These are This is that example of like Xbox has that never ending well of money. They can do, they can pump into this as long as they freaking want to and make it successful because while well, you might say, well, it's going to be hard to get a lot, a lot of games in the game pass on a consistent basis. It's like, look at all the other ways they can tantalize you and, and tease you and get you to want to subscribe to game pass. This is a very creative example, right? It's like when, it's like when your T-Mobile uh, account is like, hey, we'll pay for your Netflix for a year or some shit like that. Or like you go to Verizon Wireless and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll uh, we'll give you a, a year of Hulu Plus or whatever, because fuck you. This is like that version, except this is just a now um, assumed indefinite permanent addition to Game Pass, which is like you just get all this shit from Riot Games now through your subscription. Think about like how big like Riot Games, how, how big the games that Riot makes are, especially in countries like South Korea and shit like that, where where like league and stuff are just massive. It's like now you're giving that audience all the more reason to subscribe to Xbox Game Pass. Hopefully, you know, more more deals like this, more moves like this, you just see that number, that subscriber number on Game Pass just skyrocket through the fucking roof. And now you're giving all those people more access to Xbox games, which in turn grows the Xbox brand. This is very smart. This is a very big piece of news, even though it's not as sexy as like, hey guys, here's Halo 7. This is really exciting news. All right, next they showed a gameplay trailer, story and gameplay trailer for Plague Tale Requiem, uh, Focus Home Interactive in a, in a Sobo developed game coming out this year. It will launch into Game Pass. Uh, we knew about this game. This game has been announced for a while, but this is a new trailer for it. The most extensive trailer I believe we've seen yet. I don't have much to add to this. The first one of these games, Plague Tale, uh, what is it called? Plague Tale Innocence. I've had that game downloaded, uninstalled, reinstalled on my Xbox a million times before. I've meant to play it a million times before. I have no no history with this game. I have nothing to say to it other than I know there are people in this audience who have recommended this game to me in the past. There are people uh, in this audience I know who adore this game. I know in general this is a game that is very well liked. I feel like this is one of those like um, Hellblade type games where it kind of came out. Not too much fanfare off the bat, but people eventually like grew more and more to it to the point where it's like become a 
a big cult classic, a big cult hit, if you will. But that game is on the horizon near. It will launch into Game Pass. A ton of great value again. You're looking at 2022. You're missing a lot of heavy hitters. Where's your Starfield? Where's your Redfall? You know, if you're on PlayStation, where's your God of War? If you're in real life, where is your God altogether? But again, games like Plague Tale Requiem, that's not that's not a little small nothing game. That's a pretty decent, you know, it's it's no Halo, but it's a pretty decent sized game. It's a it's a pretty notable game. And it's just gonna launch right there in the Game Pass. So this summer this fall, you know, it's not booming, it's not a sexy popping fall, but it is. It's got it's definitely got some shit worth a keeping your eyes on then next they showed something i've been waiting to see for a while now in fact we've been waiting two years to finally see this so thank god we finally got uh some proper gameplay but we got our full unveiling of forza motorsport which i found it weird they did not refer to this today as a games as a service but we know that this is supposed to basically just be forza as a platform going forward at least you know kind of like this is to Forza what Halo Infinite is supposed to be to Halo going forward, where for the next 10 years or so, Forza content will be launched into this and they will evolve this platform rather than just releasing another game, another game, another game. So pretty big deal because Forza Motorsport is a huge franchise for Xbox. Um, now, they they penciled it for a Spring 23 release. I'm a little surprised. I thought there was a decent chance we could get this game this November, this between September and November. But no, it's, uh, they put it down for Spring 23. So I, I was a little surprised by that. But what what do you want me to say about Forza, Forza Motorsport? This game is stunning. This is the game. This is the franchise that exists for Xbox to showcase. And they even mentioned it themselves today. This is the franchise they use to showcase what the Xbox Series X is capable of. You want to show off your new your latest console and, and push it to the limits and be like, yo, that's a beautiful piece of hardware. This is the game. Forza Motorsport. Um, I think this one's not coming to Xbox One. I could be entirely mistaken on that. Uh, actually, let me just double check that real quick. Actually, no, I think it is. It says Xbox console. So, yeah, I, mean, I guess it is coming to Xbox One. I don't know. I'd be surprised because Flight Simulator is not on Xbox One. Anyway, um, they they showed this game much the same way they showed Forza Horizon 5 last year where they did like the whole, they're like, here's a camera showing like some scenery, the racetrack in the background, but just trying to show off nature and the setting and everything. And they're like, this is real in in engine photo or or video of the game running and uh just showing off how drop dead gorgeous the game looks and then they showed off a bunch of the detailing going into detail about the 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 dynamic weather and the seasons and of course the ray tracing that the game features just really showing off the nitty-gritty nerdy stuff the the damage um how race tracing looks on all the different panels and aspects of the vehicle the game looks insanely beautiful there's no doubt um, and obviously Forza is just such a massive franchise when it comes to the sim racing genre. So this is definitely a big get. You think spring 2023, now early 2023, you know, barring any delays, it's starting to look pretty busy for Xbox. You got Forza, you got Redfall, you got uh, Starfield. So, okay. So that's a, it's a pretty, pretty chunky time for Xbox now. But the game looks stunning. I, I'm a little surprised they didn't go into more detail about all the live service aspects and the way that they're planning on keeping this going. I, I guess maybe they just wanted to show off the game and get people gawking all, all over it. And then whenever they show it off again, they'll get into more of the specifics. But I was a little surprised that they didn't show um, or discuss more about like how the franchise is changing now uh, to accommodate this. Because keep in mind, the game's called Forza Motorsport. The last entry in the series was called Forza Motorsport 7. So there's some explaining to do there, right? This isn't a remake of the first game. 
Although the track they showed was a track that was in an early was it the first game? It was one of the earlier games. I don't know. I, I didn't really start playing Forza until until the fourth or fifth game. And then right after that, and fittingly so, they showed Flight Sim. They basically just this was not a big one. It was just hey, 40th anniversary expansion coming out in November. And then they also had a little stinger at the end. They're like, oh yeah, we're bringing the Pelican, the ship from Halo into the game and it's available starting today so you can fly a halo pelican in flight simulator starting now they, they're treating flight simulator much the same way they do with ford so with that kind of fun fanfare stuff but also keeping it very simmy very fun nerdy kind of visually gawkable game whatever you want to say but I, I won't dwell on that too much there's a couple instances of things like this where like hey here's some dlc here's some expansion but nothing all that you know wow factor this next one i guess i'm a little i'm a little surprised by i'm a little confused by this but let's just get into it and then we can talk about why i'm confused overwatch 2 obviously obviously this is a pretty big one to have at your show and i guess why i'm confused about this is god i watched i watched ign stream for a second because the xbox one kept shitting out on me when i tried to watch on youtube so i watched the ign stream for for a hot second and apparently like someone who works at ign said this i was so dumbfounded but people in general i guess tend to think this because i like this is this is still a huge point of confusion for people and i guess it makes sense you know if you're not following the legal proceedings of the activision deal so much which isn't something many people are probably doing but microsoft does not own activision right now so to see something like overwatch at this show is super it is a surprise it isn't like oh yeah that was a given you know there's a reason why Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 does not make an appearance at this show at all. Activision and Xbox are not a done deal yet. That is still going through going through the government and all the scrutiny and regulation. So, like, that's not official. None of this is a given. So, seeing Overwatch 2 here was quite surprising. Because Overwatch 1, I feel like, was mostly identified as a PC and a PlayStation game in terms of its marketing. And so, I, I guess that just kind of... Oh, that was interesting. But nonetheless, they showed Overwatch 2 here. And... Obviously, Overwatch 2 has been under a lot of fire since it was announced because it's borderline just Overwatch 1 with like a with like some new weather or lighting cycle or some shit like that, and then some a new mode and some new maps and stuff. It's like basically just like an expansion for Overwatch 1, but they called it Overwatch 2. And I, I still don't understand what they were going for initially because the whole thing was like people who have Overwatch 1 can play with Overwatch 2 players, but they can't access certain whatever it was a whole mess it was a fucking terrible idea at least from a marketing perspective as confusing as hell but they actually rectified all of that with this announcement and i think they did so because there was a an alpha test or something like that for overwatch 2 a few months ago and it kind of came and went without a lot of fanfare which is odd because overwatch 1 was such a massive fucking game when it came out so they they've written they've re, they've written their wrong here by making the behemoth announcement that the game will go into early access on October 4th in just a few months, and the biggest part is it will be a free-to-play game. No longer will you have to buy it. And this fixes everything, because now it's like, okay, that justifies exactly why all this Overwatch 1 content is in the game, because Overwatch 2 is basically then just saying, we're reestablishing this game as a free-to-play game, so the 2 just means now it's free-to-play, now all the shit from the old game is in the new game, plus all the new content going forward. We're trying to lower the barrier to entry to make this game more accessible for everyone and keep it going for a longer period of time. It fixes all the confusion. And the funny thing is, like, I never even thought about that, how they could literally fix all those problems they had created for themselves by just making it a free-to-play game. But that's exactly what they've done here. So really big news. They, they've kind of gone from making Overwatch 2 like a kind of a joke of an idea to making it a very serious and attractive offering because it's out in a few months, obviously through early access, but... 
at this point, early access just means, hey, we're releasing the game. It's going to be a little buggy and it's going to be missing some content, but it's the game, you know, and it's free to play. So, <laughs> hey, there we go. They also announced a new character, the Wastelander, some Australian girl who looks like she's like from Rage 2 or Borderlands, whatever. But I, I, I'm, I'm no stranger to what a big deal Overwatch is. And again, considering the kind of year we're looking at with the drought, this is going to help really spice up and make this this month a lot more enticing. In fact, October's starting to look a little busy now because you got Overwatch 2. Uh, if, we're, if you're on Xbox, you've got Overwatch 2, you got Hinge on Life, you got Modern Warfare 2, and you got Gotham Knights all coming out in October. That's a pretty, pretty, pretty busy month in October now. Also, Blizzard, Overwatch, that's Activision. Call of Duty, that's Activision. They're putting out their two biggest shooters in a very long-ass time. They're launching them out within a couple weeks. Overwatch at the beginning of the month, Call of Duty at the end of the month. So that is a little curious. You almost wonder if it's like when EA fucked themselves by releasing Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2 right around Call of Duty all in the same month in 2016. I don't think it's exactly the same because I do think Overwatch and Call of Duty's audiences are very different, but both of those games do command a lot of attention from the stream community and the competitive leagues communities. And so it, these are very streamable, very watchable games. And I, I think these games will no doubt be buying for people's attention. So Activision kind of competing with themselves a little bit by making this move. But nonetheless, again, filling that void of Starfield not being there. Filling that void of Redfall not being there. Overwatch 2, October 4th, free to play. Pretty damn good, pretty attractive way to turn this year around. The problem is, and let me just pause here. The problem is Overwatch 2, Hinge on Life, all, all these games. It's like now if you are an Xbox gamer, you've got content to play this fall. Don't worry about the dry, the dry spell. But from the optics of it, from the perspective of like, what does Xbox have? How do you market this? How do you get people excited? You still don't have that tentpole game. So it's like, the ability to waste your time and play games will be there. You just don't have the marketing hook of like, oh yeah, here's here's our hot new fall game. So I think that's really more the reason, the, the issue Xbox has uh, more so than then straight up not having games as it were. So, but yeah, I mean, Overwatch 2, that was huge. The next they showed, um, I'm so confused at this. My, my stream bugged out a little bit during this point, so I had to go back and rewatch it. But Aura History Untold. It is being developed by Oxide Games, which is a, a newer developer comprised of ex-Fraxis guys. And Fraxis are, of course, the guys who make Sid Meier Revolution, Civilization Revolution. They make XCOM. They're making that new Marvel Sons. What's that game called again? Something Sons. So it's th that developer. Basically, the, the, the core guys from that dev uh, have a new team called Oxide Games, and they're making this Aura History Untold. It is a turn-based strategy game. It is launching for Game Pass via PC day one when it comes out. They did not put a release date on it. You can assume it will be out in the next 12 months because that's what they were doing with the showcase is showing games like that. But um, yeah, I, I I have nothing to say to this. I it, This game looked very Sid Meier's to me when I was seeing the trailer, but that is a game that I have so little information on, so little understanding of. Even though I like RTSs, it's just one that's never appealed to me, so... I just have absolutely nothing to give to this. Also, this is one of the very few games where they only showed a cinematic trailer and no like detailed gameplay. So there's also really not much to go off of aside from that. But we have a new Sid Meier's 
esque game on the way for Game Pass for PC. This is not a console game. One of the more, you know, kind of like whatever announcements, I, I suppose. Then they kind of bored us a little bit with some expansion information that no one cares about. Who is it? Pete Hines came out from Bethesda and was like, all right, let's talk about Elder Scrolls Online. And he announced the High Isle expansion, which comes out in just a few weeks on June 21st for Elder Scrolls Online. So they're getting a, a decent expansion. And then also Fallout 76 is getting an expansion called Expeditions of the Pit. That comes out in September. It did not get a firm date, just a September date. And then he was like, don't worry, we're going to talk about Starfield. We're just talking about this shit first. Um, so it's kind of weird. They put they put Bethesda at like the beginning, the middle, and the end of the show, when you think about it. But he was like, he's like, uh, don't worry, Todd Howard will be back at the end to go over Starfield. We're just talking about this shit for now. And that was kind of like the, whatever, we get it. You got you to talk about your expansions, but this isn't really like the sexy stuff anyone cares about. So you just kind of, whatever, you, you, you tune out for a second, you let it go, and then you move on to the, the hot stuff. And my God, did they have the hot stuff right after this? Because next, and this is, aside from Redfall, this is probably my most exciting. My, of my top three, I'll say I have my I have three top announcements from this event, and this is this is my number two or my number three announce, um, thing we saw. I'll say which and this started leaking and being rumored just before the event earlier this week, so it's a little disappointing that that wasn't a full surprise. But nonetheless, the CA just made me so excited. Forza Horizon Five. Hot Wheels DLC. Technically, this is also more just expansion news, something to gloss over and move on with. But for me, dude, I love this shit so much. The Hot Wheels expansion was the best part of Forza Horizon 3. And then with Forza Horizon 4, when they did the Lego expansion, I was like, you know what? This is very, this makes a lot of sense. It's in a similar, it's in a similar spirit. I, I understand why they went this route. Personally, I would have just been happy if they just always consistently did Hot Wheels instead of Lego. And here we are with Forza Horizon 5, and they're going back to Hot Wheels. So I'm like, hell yeah. I don't know if that means maybe Forza Horizon 6 will go back to Lego. But who cares for now? We got Hot Wheels back. It looks dope as hell. It just looks like more of that Forza Horizon 3 Hot Wheels shit we had last time. And I will be there day one to check this stuff out. I love Hot Wheels, dude. Hot Wheels Hot Wheels, so good. Hot Wheels is, you know, Hot Wheels fans are eating good with video games right now, too, because we got Forza Horizon 3 a few years ago, now we're getting Forza Horizon 5, and then Hot Wheels Unleashed came out last year, and that game is awesome, and I really need to get back to that game, but that game is awesome. The only thing Hot Wheels needs now is a really good, like, kart racer type game. We used to get a lot of those, like, arcade or kart, not arcade like Forza Horizon, I mean, ar I mean arcade racer like Daytona USA, like, when you go into the friggin' arcade game, and, like, an actual arcade, and there's all those arcade machines, I, we need, we need, like, that kind of stuff, like, OutRun, so, like, other than that, though, you know, we're, we got some really good Hot Wheels games as of late. So I'm very pleased with that. Very happy about that information. Um, so that was next. And uh, I guess not really much more to say about that. They showed a, a good trailer and moved on. Next up was possibly actually, I will say this with absolute confidence. Fight me definitively the worst, most obnoxious, most cringe announcement the entire show uh, or not an announcement because this has already been announced. Follow up was a new trailer for Arc Two, which is penned for a 2023 release date. It will launch into Game Pass, and yes, this is the same Arc Two that was announced like at the game. What one was that? Was that at last year's Game Awards? I want to say it was yeah, the 2021 Game Awards. I'm pretty sure that's when it was announced. They showed that super cringy trailer with the little girl and Vin Diesel as a fucking caveman, and they did it again. They did it again. The trailer started out, and there were dinosaurs. I'm like, cool. Xbox is bringing back Turok. Let's fucking go. And then uh, I, a, a little girl started talking. I'm like, 
no, this isn't Turok. And then the little girl goes, starts bragging about her dad being brave. I'm like, fuck. There was a little girl bragging about her dad being brave around dinosaurs a, f- a couple months ago, and that dad was Vin Diesel. And sure enough, there's Vin Diesel riding on the back of dinosaur. And I'm like, God damn it. And I put my face in the in the toilet bowl and flushed and tried to hold it under until my girlfriend pulled me out and said, no, 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 today's not your day. You don't get out that easily. And so I, I continued, and I suffered through the rest of the trailer, and we moved on to the rest of the show, thank God. Uh, but yes, that that happened, and it was Arc Two, and we won't talk about it now. Console <laughs> next up. This is like continuing on. This is this is the part of the show where I just feel like it gets really weak. It's like we're talking about expansions, we're talking about DLC, we're talking about Arc Two for some fucking reason. We're talking about all these indie games, which I don't mean any, I don't mean any ill will towards indie games whatsoever. But it is true that if you're gonna have a big showcase, like your big annualized showcase. This is where you pull out the big guns. This is where, like, guys, we're calling you here today because we want to show you some massive AAA games that are coming exclusively to our platform. But this this is the part of the show where we're so inundated with these little indie games that are on Xbox for a few months and then, then we'll come to PlayStation a few months later and it's like, okay... You know, you watch like seven trailers for games like this. Maybe one or two of them are interesting to you. And it's no disrespect. It's just like you don't command the attention of the entire games industry to talk about a couple of indie games that like one, this one might you might like, this one you might like, this one you don't care about. When it's like, no, no, these are the opportunities to talk about that massive tentpole game that like everyone, everyone needs to stop what they're doing and look at. And, and that is my big gripe with this show is we didn't have that so much as, as we had a bunch of indie games. And so now we kind of get into the, the brunt of that. So they started off here after Arc 2 with another trailer for Scorn. For those who don't remember, Scorn was originally announced in the May 2020 uh, showcase. That showcase, um, the, summer, the summer of the pandemic, where we got that... Um, May showcase that was focused on Xbox Series S and X games, but only from third-party partners. And then later that July is when we got the proper big summer showcase where we saw Halo Infinite in that rough state and everyone memed on it and that's where Greg came from and all that. So this was from that event. And it's that, like, corporal body horror, disgusting, like, alien spaceship looking game where it's just god it's so fucking gross every time i see this game i want to gag the fir- actually the first time we saw it i was like oh that might be cool and then the more you see in-depth footage of what the game is like it's it's gross it's like watching people pull fucking tubes out of their body in slow motion and the audio is just too good and it makes you want to throw up it's not a good time to look at this is a very very niche game I, I assume even most horror fans probably won't even be in this game but it is out october 21st it finally has a release date this game was originally supposed to be out like a month after the Xbox Series X came out. Like, that is how delayed this game is. It has been delayed many times. So the fact that we're just now getting a release date for it, and it's like not a it's not a big game. It's just it just has a console console launch exclusivity deal with Xbox and it's obviously launching into Game Pass. But it is not this is like not the end all be all game. And Xbox just keeps marketing it and it frustrates me because it's so fucking cringy to look at every time because it just makes you sick in your stomach. But hopefully this is the last time we have to see this game before it comes out. And then, and then I won't have to queeze every time I, I go to an Xbox event. After that, they showed Flintlock, The Siege of Dawn, uh, which is a terrible name, but this game actually looks kind of cool. 
Um, this is being published by Kepler and developed by A44. I don't, I'm not familiar with A44 at all. And Kepler's a name you don't hear often. But this looks, this game looks very rough around the edges. It looks like it's, um, not very, very rough, but like, it looks rough. It looks, it looks very double A and it looks, it looks like it definitely needs a little more time in the oven before it'll be polished enough to play comfortably. But I thought this game actually looks really cool. Um, I, I didn't really understand a whole lot of what I was seeing. I got, maybe, maybe you'll, maybe you'll laugh at this, but I felt like what we saw looked like a cross between Rise, Son of Rome and God of War 2018. But you play as like, like, I don't know what this is, like some Spartan or Greek or some old timey gross, I hate that setting, chick. And she's got like her, her, her weapons and her shield and shit. But the cool and important thing is she's got this animal sidekick and it's like a cross between like a fox and a ferret, and it's kind of cute. And this this pet like can is like magical, and it can like shoot you forward and like help you traverse through the world and do really cool shit. And your character is like a really powerful melee combat warrior, Spartan type thing. And it actually looks really cool. It looks like it has a really fun gameplay. It looks like it has a really cool world uh, traversal. And I kind of want to see more of this game, but I had a hard time really getting a grasp of what it was I was even looking at. But it's coming out. In uh, early 2023, I actually don't remember if this is a Game Pass. I think it's a Game Pass game, but I don't think it mentioned. But uh, yeah, so apparently this game was actually announced a while back, but this is the first time we've seen gameplay of it. This is the first time I remember ever seeing it, but I'm interested to see more of it. I just don't really know what it is, but it, lo it looks cool. It looks, like a, it looks like an action game, you know, whatever the fuck that even means. Uh, next up... This is one of the. This is one. Of, this is what I'm talking about with the whole lack of pizzazz with the show. This next game was one of the only surprises of the entire show. One of the only like, oh wow, that's a notable game that no one knew about. And I, I actually, there were rumors about this game. In fact, Jez Corden had been writing about this game, but you know, we had no concrete, real information about like, oh, this is the game. This is what it looks like. Here's some leaks. So. Minecraft Legends was announced. It's supposed to come out in 2023. It is a new action strategy game set in the Minecraft universe. And this game looks really, really cute. Of course, it will launch in the Game Pass. It's a Minecraft game. And because it's a Minecraft game, it will still launch on all platforms, including Nintendo and PlayStation platforms, despite being an Xbox-owned property. We know that's just how Minecraft rolls. So, dude, I love this. I, I thought Mojang did such a phenomenal job with uh, making a fun dungeon crawler, a lighthearted fun all-ages dungeon crawler that's still pretty fucking competent with Minecraft Dungeons. And I love that they're they're continuing this trend of, like, let's take the Minecraft IP and try to build out some f other fun games. And Minecraft Legends sounds great. An action strategy game, I, I, I don't get if you're always stuck horseback, but all, all the gameplay we saw, it always looked like the character was, like, riding horseback, commanding an army into battle with them. And it looked very very fun it looks like lots and lots of action on screen all at once kind of crazy for minecraft but also I, i'm here for it it's still top down almost isometric like minecraft dungeons is um so you can tell they're building it very similarly similarly off like the same engine and everything but yeah i i i want to continue to enjoy minecraft this way because minecraft is one of those properties where i really like minecraft i really admire and appreciate minecraft for what it is but i have very little interest in ever playing minecraft because I just don't have the patience and the creativity to get the most out of Minecraft. So with the, you know, the only thing I ever do in Minecraft is like once every Halloween season, I'll go into the Minecraft store, download a couple like Halloween level packs and like play through like a haunted house or two because those are always a good time. But with the exception of that, I almost never play classic Minecraft. So to be able to enjoy the music 
and the aesthetic and the charm of Minecraft in these other genres that I do enjoy, like like in Minecraft Dungeons and now with Minecraft Legends, which looks like something I'm going to be into. An action strategy game in the Minecraft universe sounds really fun. I, I think this is a really cool way to expand the IP. It, it, it does two things. It helps old timers like me to be able to enjoy and appreciate Minecraft when, you know, core Minecraft just isn't for me. And it also helps to take younger gamers who grew up with Minecraft and do love Minecraft to expand their horizons with other genres. Because you think about things like dungeon crawlers and action strategy games, like those are a little more specific or niche, especially for like these younger generations of kids growing up on fucking Fortnite. And so it's it, it works on multiple levels for all audiences. And I love that about Minecraft uh, Dungeons. And now with Legends, it looks like we're getting more of that. So this game, you know, this isn't like the holy shit, my 2023 is set. I'm, I'm just I'm just living for Minecraft Legends. But, you know, a really nice addition to the show, a really nice surprise in the game. I think most of us will probably look at it and be like, hey, that looks cool. That looks fun. I'll definitely give that a go when it comes out. So Minecraft Legends, I thought was a pretty solid get for the show. And then next they showed uh, one of what I thought was what I thought was one of the weakest games of the show. It's called Lightyear Frontier. Uh, this game is a console launch exclusive for Xbox and it is launching into Game Pass. I don't know what the fuck this game is. It literally looks like, and I have no other way to describe it, it literally looks like Mech Assault uh, paired with Harvest Moon. It is like Farming Simulator as a mech. And I don't know why, and I don't know how, and it looks like there may be some story element too because there's a lot of narration. I don't fucking know. But these mechs are using all their gun and missile attachments to like water their fucking crops and God knows why, and it's just, it's un unsettling. And I just feel like this is already what the future is going to look like when the when the military owns and operates everything in our world. And it's just it's unsettling and it's not a game I want to play. This will not help me calm down. This will definitely not keep my anxiety at bay. So I cannot be caught playing Lightyear Frontier. But the name makes me think it could be Buzz Lightyear related. Probably not. Next up, Gunfire Reborn was shown. This is a weird game. I don't know what to make of this game. I want to like this game, but I can't because of these characters. So this is developed by... Duo you, Duo ye, Duo ye. I'm not saying their name right. Duo ye games, and it's published by 505. Uh, but it, it it looks like a really fun, cel shaded, cartoony FPS game. But I cannot, for life of me, get over the fact that the character designs are repulsive. These look like furries playing an FPS, and I don't want that. This is like if furries developed their own version of 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 goldeneye 007 and that's not the 007 that i was waiting to see this year at, at the summer game showcase i was hoping for a different it's completely different you know goldeneye and so i'm a little unsettled by what we saw now apparently it's not just a regular first person shooter it's a co-op roguelike first person shooter which also definitely puts me off because i don't have people to play this with and i don't like roguelike games but uh, it's a first-person shooter, and it's cartoony, and that looks fun. But if you could maybe just mod the game to make the characters look like not butt-fucking furries, uh, maybe I'd be more into it. Apparently, this game has been in early access for a while, but it's properly releasing on October or in October of this year, and it will launch into Game Pass. So, Gunfire Reborn, if you know about it, you know. If you don't, maybe you're better off not knowing because this is some fucking furry violent shit. And speaking of furries, next they showed the last case of Benedict Fox. Now... Just based on the early reception I was seeing on Twitter from from the show, it seemed like this was kind of like the surprise of the show. This was like the game that no one knew about, no one saw coming, and everyone was like, "This game looks cool." And I and I went back and I watched the trailer like two more times to try. And, I want to get it. I'm like, "Shit, I didn't, 
I didn't, I wasn't that captivated by it the first time I saw the trailer. Let me see if maybe I missed something. And I watched it again and again. And I'm like, ah, I, I want to be into this game, but I'm not. And, and don't get me wrong, the game looks cool. It just, it doesn't resonate with me. So the last, last case of Benedict Fox, this game is a launch exclusive for Xbox. So it'll come to other platforms later. Uh, it's being developed by Plot Twist, and it is a Metroidvania slash noir Lovecraftian type looking game. And I'm I'm cool with all those elements. I think that sounds good on paper, but I just I don't know. It's like it looks really nice, but when I look at it, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll play this. And then I immediately think, you know, this game kind of reminds me of Ori in the Blind Forest. And I never finished that game, and I never even played the sequel. It'd be a real shame if I skipped those games and played the last case of Benedict Fox. Fuck, I should go back and play. You know, I, I should I should go back and play uh, Ori in the Blind Forest. And then I'm like, oh shit, you know what else I did? I finished Guacamelee 1, but I never played Guacamelee 2. Ah, shit. Didn't they just show Hollow Knight at the top of the show? I never beat that game either. And then I, I just get, um, oh, Metroid Dread. I bought that on Switch last year. got halfway through and then walked away. And I just start getting buried by all the Metroidvanias that I started and never finished. And I can't breathe. And I can't breathe. And the last thing I need is for Benedict Fox to come and, and do a whole case study on me. And I just so I say, you know what, Benedict? This is your last case. Go, go please someone else with your new game coming out in spring of 2023, launching the Game Pass. So who am I kidding? I'll never get around to this, but people seem super into this. Uh, I, I like it. The art style is super cool. It really leans into that, like noir. Like sometimes like you see the colors going into like sepia tone a little bit, drowning out and then going into more darker shades. And it has a very like hand-drawn-esque addition to to its look and i don't know it's cool it's very fun it's very artsy looking you get a lot of that noir look with a lot of like lovecraftian monster type things and i believe it's a metroidvania i mean it looks like that so i don't know i, I, I see a lot of reason why people would be into this game i just realistically i can't, I can't tell myself that i'm gonna get this the next game that was shown was as dusk falls now You'll remember we saw this game last year, so this is the second time we've seen it, but now it's dated for July 19th. So again, an another one of those pleasant surprises where it's like, hey man, this game's out in a month. That's awesome. So, you know, we're not getting Gears of War and fucking Elder Scrolls announcements left and right, but we are getting like, wow, this game's coming out tomorrow. This game's coming out in three months. This game So this is really cool. This is the this is the big winning factor of this show. Is it's a lot of like decent looking games or pretty interesting looking games, and they're coming out boom, boom, boom at a at a good clip. So if anything, this is really just like a really ex exciting advertisement for what Game Pass has in store more than anything, which is, of course, the intention. Uh, but yeah, so the next day shows As Dusk Falls again. Now it's dated for July 19th, of course, launching the Game Pass. And it looks good. I, I liked this game last time. I think it looks good this time as well. This is one of those like narrative driven kind of um, store. I don't know how you want to put it. I, I guess kind of like um, like an Until Dawn or like a quarry, the quarry, which just came out. One of those games where it's like, you know, it's very, more story driven and choice based than it is um, gameplay focused. But the art, I'm not sold on the art style. I like it. I feel like it's one of those art styles where you'll get really sucked into it the more you play. But I don't love it on, it looks a little cheap on surface level to me. Where it's that like, like still with like two frame animation, kind of like realistic looking, but still sketched kind of look. I don't really know how to describe it. And I'm just, I'm not crazy about it, but I feel like it'd be silly to let that be the thing to get you over it. Sorry, to let that be the thing to get in the way of you enjoying this game. It looks like it's got like that, that small town mystery, like so-and-so went missing, who did this, you know, someone a murderer kind of thing. And it looks fun. You know, it looks like if this, if you told me this is going to be like a four-hour adventure, this would be a really fun thing to do like one Saturday afternoon. I just, I don't know. I, like, uh, this is one of those like, that game looks good. 
I'm not sure if I'm going to play it, but it looks good. I hope I get to it, maybe. They advertise it as being, you know, obviously solo, but also you can play co-op with, like, up to eight friends or some shit like that. So I'm like, what does that even look like? You get eight friends together in an Xbox Live party, and you're like, guys, 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 vote on which decision we're going to... I don't even know. It sounds like a very Xbox 360 kind of, like, a one-off idea, but I, I am curious to know what that looks like, but... Game looks good, looks compelling, looks like a very, if you're into very narrative-driven, light-on-gameplay type games, this could be one of those really interesting stories for you to explore. Um, but the next game they showed is actually something I was pretty into. This is where we get, this is where we get out of the smaller indies a little bit back into some bigger announcements. So the next game is Naraka Blade Point, which is actually published by Chinese publisher NetEase and developed by Chinese developer 24 Entertainment. So I've never heard of them before today. This is new to me. But I only mention that to say this is really cool. Uh, obviously, Chinese developers are becoming more and more prominent, more and more commonplace. They're able to... We're, we're seeing more and more Chinese developers be able to create games for consoles and, and not just, you know, have these, like, these PC games that are just circulated within the Chinese market. So this is cool. This is a, a big thing we're going to start seeing more and more of, which is a lot of Chinese game development talent. And I, I welcome it. I think it's awesome. Bring them on over. Like, let's let's... Let's have someone else heavily influence our, our industry for the better. And, you know, obviously, you know, like Japanese game developers create and mastered platformers and classic RPGs, Western developers mastered open world games and story driven games. And it's like, let, let's see what, you know, Chinese developers can throw into the mix. So although I guess you could give Europeans a lot of credit for uh, the open world games as well, because technically Witcher 3 is. Well, anyway, so I, I'm all for it. This game is, uh, well, it's not it's not original in the concept of its genre because it is a battle royale game, but it is original in how it's a battle royale game. Um, it is a 60 player battle royale where you play as like, I guess it's I don't know, it's like fucking all kinds of like cool martial arts. Some people have range attacks. Some people have swords. Some people have bows and it's it's very like kinetic and frantic and melee focused and it's very action and hack and slashy. Um, so it's not like battle royale in the typical sense of like you drop into a map, you find guns, you shoot people with guns, guns. You know, it's like, oh, cool. Like you focus on different kinds of weaponry and it's like a lot about actual like skilled combat, hand to hand combat and stuff like that. And I feel like that could be a lot of fun. It looks it looks something like like Ninja Gaiden meets Devil May Cry like combat in a fucking 60 player battle royale and i think that's that's cool i want to play it apparently this game's been on pc for a while has a decently successful player base on steam but this will be the first time it's brought to console so it will launch into game pass for pc and steam because this is not a free-to-play battle royale game it is a game that costs money um so it will launch in just a few weeks on june 23rd it will be launching exclusively on consoles for xbox so again kind of like how we got you know, with Japan, we got Fantasy Star Online 2 from Sega in Japan, exclusive to Xbox consoles here in the West. And then, you know, from, from Smilegate, Korean publisher, we got Crossfire X, bringing, bringing that very popular PC game exclusively to Xbox here in the West. Now we're doing it with a, with a Chinese developer and publisher. We're getting that Naraka Blade Point brought it over here, Xbox exclusively here in the West. And it's another one of those, like, Xbox is slowly starting to build out their portfolio of, of more Asian content to try and, you know, make sure Xbox is not so one note with the scruffy military USA, you know, like, ooh-ah, kind of like uh, Gears of War guys. So I love it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I will definitely give this one a go. It's it's going to be cross-play, so you can tell a lot of this is probably them trying to increase their player base. So PC with, with console players. I don't always love that, but since this game is more melee-focused, I feel like without the guns and the dead accuracy being as much an issue, it might not be too bad. 
but I will definitely give this one a try. It looks very stylish, very action-y, very fun. Next up, and we'll get back to the whole, more so with Japanese content, but with the whole Xbox going hard and trying to get some of that Eastern talent onto their platform. Next, they showed another trailer for Grounded. Grounded, for those who don't remember, has technically been in early access for the two years it's been around. So the the reason for the showing was, hey guys, September September of this year, 2022, uh, the game is going into proper full launch mode. It will have its story content. It will no longer be in some early access mode. Even though there's 10 million players already playing the game, whatever, now the game is technically properly fully out. So that's pretty big news. Um, so Grounded is getting to that point in just a couple months here. So nothing like, whoa, like too exciting. Because again, it's like another one that was like, well, that's just a quick update. That's not like, whoa, E3 was so great this year. They talked about Grounded going out of early access, whatever. Next, they showed Erebon. I, I think that's how you say it. Erebon Shadow Legacy. This is a launch exclusive title as well. PC Game Pass It is not coming to console. It is being developed by Baby Robot Games. And it looks cool, but possibly a little too stealthy for me. I really like the aesthetic of this game. I like the graphics. I like the art style. Uh, or, yeah, the art style more than graphics is what I meant to say. I like the art style for sure. Um, like the mechs and like this shadowy ninja-y warrior chick you play as who like hides in the shadows and kind of disappears and can like pop out in this like cyber uh, cyberpunk type universe, whatever you want to call it. I think this game looks really cool. It just looks like it's way too stealthy and way too centered around stealth, which, again, you know, take me out of it. Just makes it more of a niche game or another one of these games where it's like, listen, this is cool. This is a unique game. This is awesome. This adds more value to Game Pass. This is a it's awesome that this game will be out, you know, probably within the next 12 months, like the like the whole event notes. But again, it's like where where's like the big game that's going to get a massive swath of people excited? This isn't it, but it looks it looked fine. It looked whatever. I couldn't find anything about it being on Xbox. It looks like it's just a PC game, which I found weird because it looks like a kind of game that would be right at home on Xbox, but uh, maybe I'm stupid and I just missed that. But that was Erebon Shadow Legacy. Definitely one I didn't have too much to say about. But next, we get into, obviously, one of the biggest uh, reveals of the game. Now, obviously, we already knew Diablo 4 was coming. We knew it had been announced. But now we have gameplay footage. We have a proper full reveal. We had five minutes going over it. So our boy, Rod Ferguson, betrayer of Gears of War, lover of studios where they sexually harass their teams, comes down to... That sounds so mean. I'm not accusing Rod Ferguson of anything. I'm just uh, I'm just being a dick because I, I miss him on Gears of War. Uh, but <laughs> Rod Ferguson comes out to excitedly introduce Diablo 4 and to go over it. And we get this trailer where they announce that there is a new fifth class of playable character in the game. And it is the Necromancer, which my stupid ass who's only really ever played a little bit of Diablo 2 and a fair amount of Diablo 3 didn't even realize Necromancers weren't even in the game. Because I'm just thinking, of course they're in the game. But no, you dumbass, you're thinking of Warcraft, not, not Diablo. Get your head out of the gutter. So that was the first thing they showed. But then they get into the sexy stuff. And they're like, here's the game. Here's actual gameplay. Here's extended gameplay looks. Here's tons of information. Guys, Diablo 4, we're talking an open-world Diablo game. We're talking 150 dungeons in the game. We're talking strongholds all throughout the open world for you to reclaim from enemies. We're talking live-service Diablo for the very first time. And then, of course, they're talking about post-game support, making this a Diablo game that is all about you know the end game. Like You, you beat the story content, and then that's where the game really starts to open up. I gotta be honest, guys. There... Maybe no pre-existing franchise, I think, is better suited for this games-as-a-service type game than maybe Diablo. Because, honestly, like, you think about, like, the games that really popularized this, like, new games-as-a-service open-world trend thing, 
And I think Destiny in 2014 is really the thing that kind of like... Because when Destiny came out, everyone was like, what is this fucking game? We thought it was going to be like a MMO RPG slash Halo game. Like, we, we didn't know what it was going to be. And then it kind of had to re... You know, it had to... Destiny's job was to define to the world, like, what this games as a service type game genre was going to be going forward and so much so many people would say like oh it reminds me of borderlands reminds me of borderlands destiny reminds me of borderlands as someone who had no experience with borderlands but had played diablo i I gotta tell you destiny always reminded me of diablo because it's always about like replaying the same level the same dungeon the same raid doing the same thing over and over again this time with this weapon this time with this character this time with these people and it's about trying to get new just that loot grind getting new loot so to me it's like it's like, oh, what a no-brainer, you know, making Diablo an open-world games-as-a-service type game that's all about tons of dungeons and post-launch content and, and support. This makes this makes incredible sense to make Diablo that kind of game. So I think this is incredibly fitting. It's incredibly at home, and it makes Diablo 4 so much more interesting than if it were just going to be the next Diablo game. So obviously it wasn't a, a a new announcement that Diablo 4 is coming. We knew that. But it, what is the announcement is that it's coming in 2023. We don't have a firm release date, but again, it should be on the next year or so. And uh, now this is a game I think will get delayed for sure. Like they say all these games will be in the next 12 months. I'll be fucking shocked if Diablo 4 hits spring 2023 or don't like don't hold your breath. I think at the very earliest, this game would be fall 2023. So I don't think this is technically one of the games that will fall in the 20 in the 12 month window. But that's just me. But again, it's this is this is a huge this is a really good showing. This is one of those ones where it's like, yeah, th- this makes the event worth watching. This is what we're waiting for. You know, it's not to say a game like Erebon or a game like As Dusk Falls or a game like the the last case of Benedict Fox aren't important. And this is what you know, like I know this is where people are gonna interpret what I have to say about my, my negative response to this showcase. I know this is how people are gonna interpret it. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that indie games are less important or that indie games are like you like indie games are less of games than like big AAA games are but what i'm saying is when you are microsoft and you tell the entire games industry and the entire games press and everyone to stop what they're doing and look at you all eyes on us because we have a big annual event to go over with all of our latest news about our latest games people are expecting the big dogs and the reason why diablo is a big dog and something like arabon isn't is because Diablo 4 is a game that is going to appeal to so many millions of people. This game will apply to, or will appeal to so many people. I, everyone listening to this podcast, I would be willing to guess, and I'll give a soft number. I bet 30 to 40% of people listening to this podcast are like, whether they actually play it or not, would be like, fuck yeah, yeah, I'd give Diablo 4 a go. That game looks awesome. I, I'm comfortably willing to bet. But a game like Erebon, it's like, I don't know, maybe one out of five people would be like, oh yeah, that game looks cool. Maybe? I don't know. And that that's why you need these announcements. You need something like uh, something meaty and sizzly that like IGN can go put their fucking big old expose about and and everyone on Twitter can rant and rave and speculate about and give each other shit about. So some asshole can make his background picture Diablo 4 for the next year and a half and rename his Twitter profile Diablo 4 Mega Fan and then harass all the developers over the next year and a half as he doesn't get the updates that he specifically desires. Like we need those games announced to make this event like truly like oh yeah that was the big thing that's what we all waited for and we're just not seeing enough of that this event and it's like really diablo 4 stands out like a fucking sore thumb in this sea of smaller games that no one's ever heard of that that's not to say they're not good games 
but you know they just they just don't have that pull. I'm listen. It is very possible that you sit down and you play Lightyear Frontier, the game that looks like fucking Mech Assault meets Harvest Moon, and you're sitting there in your mech in your fucking Titanfall mech suit, and you're and you're gardening your goddamn carrots or whatever it is you're gardening, right? And you might think to yourself, this game is better than Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. This is better than Halo 3. This game is better than The Witcher. I don't know. Say say whatever you want. You are entitled to that opinion. You are not wrong. I am not saying that Light Your Frontier is not a good game. I'm not saying it is less of a game or less worthy. But I am saying that there is no denying a game like Diablo 4 definitely gets a crowd going a little bit more. Listen, and this is going out specifically to Kronky because Kronky was giving me so much shit about this argument. I'm a huge paintball fan. I'm not a big sports guy in general. I like baseball a lot. I'm a huge paintball guy. Paintball is my favorite sport. Laugh all you want. It has a professional league. It is a legitimate sport. There are actual rules and regulations to it. There are actual pro players. People do make a living playing paintball, whether you like it or not. I love paintball. Every time I watch paintball, I think that's a fucking cool sport. But I recognize that paintball is a lot less important of a sport than soccer. Because soccer has a way bigger pull and appeals to a way bigger audience. And it's way easier for more people to see soccer and get it and be excited about it and go, that's my sport that I'm going to tattoo myself and paint myself and get a beer belly over. Like, I want to get, I want to become an alcoholic for, for soccer. I understand that there is a larger percentage of the world that gets excited about that. It doesn't make paintball any less of a sport. But it's just the reality of the matter. And that's what I'm that's what I'm saying about this. Like you might love indie games. You might see some of the as dusk falls. You might see fucking an expansion for Elder Scrolls Online or an update on Vin Diesel Dinosaur Tamer and Arc 2. And you might think, wow, I'm so excited for this game. And I'm happy for you. I'm genuinely happy for you. But that doesn't change the fact that you have a much better show on your hands. If you can appeal to a bigger audience, if you can satisfy a bigger audience with a more big mainstream crowd pleasing type game like you would have if they were here today announcing that Gears of War collection that was rumored or maybe finally showing us what the fuck Avowed looks like when you actually play the game and don't just have a CGI splash screen like that's what this the showcase was missing. And so Diablo 4 is basically like one of three examples in this whole showcase of that kind of game. And Diablo 4 wasn't even announced today. It was just shown today. So that that's where my, my gripe lies in it. But again, props to Microsoft for saying, well, fuck that. We're only going to focus on games that are coming out in the next 12 months. We want to be honest with our audience and show them what they're actually getting in the near future rather than just getting them hyped about stuff that's very far off. So all due respect, it, maybe it's just a thing that's it's the right thing to do, but it sucks. But it sucks. You know, we, we need more of that kind of stuff. Diablo 4 had a really strong showing. Too bad there wasn't more of that. Speaking of there wasn't more of that, the next thing they showed was a, tra- a two-minute trailer for Season 7 of Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves, a great game. An excellent first-party game. But, like, dude, Sea of Thieves has its audience. They already have their fingers on the on the, on the, on the pulse uh, of Sea of Thieves. They know what's shaking and moving. They're in the subreddits. They're following on Twitter. They know. The rest of us don't need to see a two-and-a-half-minute trailer of a bunch of pirates dancing and singing along because season seven of Sea of Thieves comes out in July. And that's what the news was about. It wasn't shown gameplay. It wasn't a sequel. It wasn't a big old expansion. It wasn't really like last year when they were like, hey, Pirates of the Caribbean is coming to Sea of Thieves. And that was exciting. They're just like, hey, season seven, here's two and a half minutes of your life. Don't you wish you were just like taking a shit instead? Probably would have been more productive, but here you go. And so again, that's no, that's no, 
it's no insult to see a thieves or to rare or see if these is an excellent game but fuck why was that two and a half minutes of your big showcase man just be more respectful of the audience's time you know all right next they showed ravenlock which um this game looks awesome i thought this game looked really cool again another indie game i think it looks really cool i'm sure a lot of you guys don't even remember what this game is just by me saying ravenlock because it's just that niche of a product. Unfortunately, it's not as exciting as if they announced fucking Hogwarts Legacy 2 and said that we're skipping the first one and the sequel is all about manhunting J.K. Rowling to appease all the people who want her out of this world. I don't know. That would have definitely garnered some more tension, but nonetheless, here's Ravenlock. I think this game looks fucking awesome. It is penned for a 2023 release date, launching into Game Pass, and it has this like kind of um, almost blocky bit-style look that's like 30% Minecraft, and then like 30% like NES RPG, and then like 30% like uh, Project Octopath Traveler, and then like 10% buffed polished 3D polygonal models. And I don't know if that's an appropriate way to describe it, but it looks like a weird amalgamation of all these things, and it's really cool. Um, it is a action combat RPG being developed by, what's her name again? Oh, Echo, uh, no, no, Coconut, uh, sorry, Coco Cucumber, which is fucking awesome name for a developer. Coco Cucumber. These are the guys who uh, made that game Echo Generation, which actually isn't even that old. And I, I never got into that game. I'm pretty sure I downloaded and played that game for like 20 minutes, but I never got into it. But this game looks very, very cool. I definitely want to give this a go. You can tell aesthetically, art-wise, it has a lot of Alice in Wonderland um, influence and in, in, uh, inspiration to it, which is really kind of like dark like like a more more like mature dark twisted Alice in Wonderland not like a like happy like a colorful Disney Alice in Wonderland so I, I don't know I think this game looks really cool I want to give it a go I'm always looking for not always but you know often enough I'm, I'm looking for my uh, annual or biannual RPG game to get into and this looks like it might be one for me when it comes out next year but Ravenlock I will definitely keep my eyes on that developer Coco Cucumber love the name all right if it weren't for Vin Diesel on the back of a dinosaur, I would say this is my the ne this next game is my least favorite or the the least exciting game we saw. But unfortunately, we saw Vin Diesel on the back of a dinosaur, so this is getting the second place award. We saw Pentiment, which again another example, a little indie game. I'm sure there will be people who like it and think it's really cool. For me, it, it bored me to the point I, I wanted to blow my brains out. But that's no disrespect to developers, although it sounds very disrespectful. I just mean that this game doesn't do it for me any way, shape, or form. Uh, but it is a new indie game launching into Game Pass on November or, or in November this year, and it's it, it is a medieval style game where they it's cool like the premise of this is really cool i'll give them i'll give them credit for what they did here they the art style of the game tries to mimic the look of those like primitive medieval paintings where you know like the dimensions and the and the articulation and the you know it's like before what's the word i'm looking for before like artists really had to understand an understanding of like the body and how to like draw and in like had to do art in dimensions and so, like you know everything looked very 2d and poorly done like a fucking like third grader just painting something and so they try to mimic that medieval art look and adapt it into this game's art style which i think is really creative and really cool that they did it but I fucking hate that art style so much, so it makes me actually hate the game, even though I also recognize what they did was very impressive and very cool. I don't understand what kind of game this is. I couldn't find really any information on it. The entire trailer is just like people talking. It looks very text-based. So I assume it's not just some text-based game. I assume there's some form of gameplay. I just don't know what it is. So I will, I'll take the L on this if I'm just not giving this game a fair enough shot, but this game is just not even remotely like the slightest bit interesting to me. 
Um, so I'm just happy enough to say this is a game. It is coming to Game Pass this November. Bye. I'm sorry. That's it. Uh, but hey, here's an indie game that looks phenomenal. The next up, they showed uh, Cocoon, which is being published by Annapurna. Um, those guys are great. They, they did the uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, but it's being developed by Geometric Interactive, which is being led by some of the core guys behind by Limbo and, and um, Inside, which are phenomenal games. So this this game, obviously, very different from from Limbo and Inside, uh, but still this like 2D kind of indie, but this one's like top-down isometric, puzzly game. Looks very, very creative. I love this. It's very like sci-fi, very ethereal looking, and like you like grab like these like orbs and you put them in like these portals and they open up like different, different like um, jump points to other portals and just like, it's like a very artistically like satisfying game to look at. And this game just looks very fun. It looks like that kind of puzzle solving where it's like challenging enough that you just had to stay like mentally engaged with it to figure out what to do, but easy enough to where you're not going to be like frustrating and fuming trying to figure out how to get through this puzzle. And so it just, it just looks like a really nice, like brain teasing, relaxing, uh, just kind of a nice way to just chill, chill out and enjoy, enjoy a a beautiful artistic game. I'm, I'm actually quite interested to give this one a try. Uh, when it comes out, it will launch ex- into Game Pass and exclusively for Xbox consoles uh, for a limited time. But they did not put a release date on this. I would not be surprised if this is later than 12 months out. But um, it could be out in the next 12 months, so maybe, maybe next summer. Um, but I will definitely keep my eyes on this one. Cocoon from Geometric Interactive looks very pretty. Now we move into the end of the showcase, the last few games. And I will be honest, actually, technically, we should start with Cocoon as part of this because I was I was going to say one, two, three, four, five. The last five announcements were all bangers. Well, not all bangers, I will say, but we're all like cool. Like that's ex- I, like, I'm interested. I'm engaged. So technically Cocoon should account as one of these, but we're down to the last four. For the rest of the show, I, I have no complaints in terms of like, wow, what a dumb, what a dumb game or what a, what a miss of a game. These are cool announcements, although I do have my individual gripes of some of these, whatever, of certain aspects of these, not of not of the announcements themselves. But first one, and probably the one I'm most excited about that we're about to get into is Wo Long Fallen Dynasty. <clears throat> this is a new game from Team Ninja, not to be confused with Ninja Theory, which is the British team behind Hellblade. Uh, I'm talking Team Ninja, the guys who make Neo, the guys who make Ninja Gaiden. So new game from Team Ninja, and it is a console launch exclusive for Xbox. So it will probably come to PlayStation later on down the road, but at its launch, it will be exclusive on Xbox for time. Uh, and it will come into Game Pass. And this game looks so cool. It is takes place in Han Dynasty, China, and you fight demons and dragons, and it looks super fucking badass. And my biggest worry is that because Team Ninja faced so much or got so much success with the Neo games, uh, which I've always wanted to play, but I've just been scared off of because of their their um, influence of the Souls games, that this game will be too hard for me. That they'll they'll take because it has they have people who worked on Neo, but they also have people who worked on Bloodborne working on this game. And my fear is that I'm going to play this game and it's going to be gruesomely hard. And it's going to be like, you need to learn the dance. You need to learn the rhythm of the combat and learn how to, oh, the patience and the parrying and all. And if it's like that, I'm going to be a little sad. Because don't get me wrong, Ninja Gaiden, you know, the Xbox continuation of Ninja Ninja Gaiden back on the OG Xbox into the 360, that's kind of the precursor in a way to these like Souls games when you think about it. So in a way, you can give Team Ninja a lot of credit for the creation of this genre altogether. So it would make sense 
for it to be a challenging game. And that's not necessarily my concern. It's just that Ninja Gaiden was a lot more fast-paced and action-oriented. And I don't want it to be slow and methodical like a Souls game. And so I'm really hoping this game doesn't go too deep into that because it looks so cool. I want this game so bad. This is actually a great get. This is the part of the show. And I like the way Xbox formatted this show where it was like, it started out with just games. And then the first representative of Xbox we saw was Sarah Bond. And then later she handed things off to Pete Hines. And then later he handed things off to Rod Ferguson, which is kind of cool because Rod Ferguson's the only person who, if I remember correctly, who was not an Xbox employee who was there at the show and, and had like on screen talking time. But of course, Rod Ferguson used to be a prominent member of Team Xbox because he used to be the lead of the coalition and, and head up the Gears of War games before he left to go to Blizzard. And he will, if all goes well with the Activ- Act, uh, Activision acquisition, he will be back on Team Xbox through Blizzard. So it's kind of, it kind of came full circle, and it's kind of cute that he was there. And then at this point, it moves into Phil Spencer, and then it ends on Todd Howard with uh, Starfield. So I kind of like how they had like a, like a little segment with any, everyone rather than just being like all on one guy. I thought it was cool how they did that. Just a little side note. But this was the segment where Phil Spencer was on screen. And what he was talking about is how he's like, hey, we're really dedicated to trying. And I love that Phil Spencer still continues to beat this drum. It wasn't like a thing he said three years ago and then he kind of, yeah, whatever. Like this is a continued effort of Xbox to try and get more Japanese support on the Xbox. And you could tell a few years ago with all their shit with Sega and getting Fantasy Star and all that. And then now you're seeing another really big push for it. I would say today we saw the biggest push we've seen in quite a while to get a lot of Japanese content. And it makes so much sense because obviously Team Ninja has a history with Xbox, with those excellent Ninja Gaiden games, especially 1 and 2. 1, which was on the OG Xbox, 2, which was on the 360. And then by the third one, they went multi-platform. In fact, I think that one launched on like PlayStation 3 and Vita and shit like that first, and then went to like Wii U and then went to Xbox. So unfortunately, they kind of fell off at the end there. But, you know, those first two in particular, those Ninja Gaiden games, very Xbox-centric games. And now they're kind of bringing it back with Team Ninja doing this uh, this game, and it will be on Xbox first. It will probably come to other platforms later, but it's, it's a cool nod to the history of Xbox while also having that effort to bring more Japanese content. And on top of that, the game just looks really fucking cool. Like, I really... I'm excited for this game, and I'm just genuinely hoping that it's not too deep onto the Souls-like uh, track that Neo was on, where it's going to be like, ah, oh, you gotta, you gotta learn the enemy's attack patterns so you can parry at the right time, and you'll spend a lot more time studying the enemy than you will attacking him. And it's like, eh, dude, fuck, I, like, I go back to school if I want to study. Like, please let me play the game. Let me hit him with a with a sword, please. So I don't know. We'll have to see. But at the very least, I can say I'm very happy to see this game's coming. And I think it looks pretty cool. Um, on top of that, or sorry, in addition to that, so, so moving on from that, but continuing with Phil Spencer's whole like, hey, we're trying to get more Japanese content. Dude, this was like a rumor I did not want to believe because I, I didn't think it was going to happen. And I'm so fucking happy it happened. Um, which was that Atlas, dude, th- th- this one was like the only announcement of the show that was like, oh my God, really? Uh, but Atlas announced that they're finally bringing their goddamn games over to Xbox after a billion goddamn years after seven generations of your own kin have come and gone. Atlas is finally bringing the Persona franchise to Xbox. Um, and they started with Persona 3 in the trailer. And I was like, ah, that's so disappointing. I want to play 4 and 5. Because I really thought they were just announcing one game. 
but then they immediately showed like, and we're bringing Persona Four Golden. I'm like, yes, because like as I like I love the PlayStation Vita. That's I mean Persona Four was originally a PS2 game, but the Definitive Edition was on PS Vita with the Persona Four Gold, uh, and so I. I always want to play that on Vita, but I, I just always held out hope that maybe one day it will come to Xbox. And then last year it came to PC, finally, after like a billion years. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe it's going to come to Xbox, maybe. But I tried to keep my expectations in check, and goddamn, I'm so excited this is actually happening. So Persona 4 Golden is coming to Xbox. And then finally, the biggest kicker of them all, the most recent entry in the franchise, the most beloved and mainstream entry in the franchise, Persona 5 Royal will be coming to Xbox. Uh, I'm so excited about this. They said they will start with Persona 5 and it will come out on October 21st and then 3 and 4 will come out at a later date. We don't know exactly when, but they will all launch into Game Pass. And guys, I think this is absolutely critical that these games come to Xbox. This is a huge step in trying, especially where we see um, Square Enix kind of reverting back to like a PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 era relationship with PlayStation where um, Final Fantasy 16 is going to be exclusive to PS5 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake is exclusive to PS5 and we thought for the longest time that maybe they come to Xbox later but apparently Square Enix is completely content to just make sure Xbox gamers never get that fucking content and I guess PlayStation just gets a lot of joy in making sure that Xbox gamers never get that content despite the fact that we got Final Fantasy 13, 14, 15 so why the fuck are we being snubbed now? But fuck, fuck me, I guess. Doesn't matter. I'd much rather have Persona than Final Fantasy. Sorry, I'd much rather have Persona than Final Fantasy anyway. So fuck it, suck a dick. You know, whatever. I'll play. I'll play. I'll play Persona Five this October. And see what I'm saying? Now it's getting. Now it's getting spicy. Now, of course, in all fairness, Persona Five games like four years old, right? Persona Four games like almost twenty years old. Persona Three, you know, like these are old games. Like this isn't like oh man. It's okay Starfield got delayed because at least we got Persona. It's like, well, yes, but also, like, a big event like this should command a bigger a bigger game announcement, right? Like, this should be a really exciting supplementary announcement to the big games of this event. This should not be the big news. But because this event was just a little bit lackluster, announcements like this ended up kind of stealing the show for, for at least people like me. But nonetheless, that doesn't that doesn't make me any less excited about this news. I, I'm so excited to welcome Persona onto the Xbox platform finally, and I'll absolutely do my due diligence and do my part in supporting these games on Xbox because I will play the fuck out of Persona 5 this October. You know, I've had a PS4 forever. I have had the ability to buy this game, and I have intentionally held off waiting and waiting for this day, and my patience has been rewarded. God has been good to us, and now you must all buy the person sitting to your left an Xbox Series S as a gesture of goodwill to show that God is good. All right, and then we wrap up our Xbox reaching out to Japan, trying to get some support with the announcement that I think most Xbox fans have been curious to know and to learn more about in terms of Xbox and Japanese developers and trying to get that relationship a little more developed. Which was, of course, the, announce the, the announcement of the rumored news that we've been talking about for like a year and a half at this point, which is that Hideo Kojima is working on a game for Xbox, a new exclusive Xbox title. They announced it, they, they, they cut to some footage, some pre-recorded footage of Hideo Kojima, and he was like, hi guys, I'm Hideo Kojima, I make weird fucking video games and everyone thinks I'm a god, um, I'm working on a game for Xbox, bye, 
And he announced nothing. We don't know what the fuck the game is, if it's even in pre-production yet. We don't know when it's coming out. We don't know if we should be expecting something big like a Metal Gear Solid caliber game or something a little more like streamlined and small scale like Death Stranding. I don't know. But Hideo Kojima, and I will, I will say this, this is the interesting part, is he did emphasize how like the exciting thing about working with Microsoft is that they have Azure. And with all that cloud infrastructure in place, they have the ability to make really interesting games, really boundary-pushing games, because they have access to additional boundary-pushing technology that other platforms don't have, wink, wink, PlayStation. And so that's that was pretty exciting, is him just basically being like, hey, I'm, I'm excited to see how I can fuck around with Azure to make my next game crazy and wacky. And that's exciting because that's what Hideo Kojima does best. You know, he always pushes boundaries and, and thinks of weird, innovative ways to interact with games. Whether it be like Death Stranding, where like everything is interactive with other players, even though you're playing alone, where like packages are left behind from other players and it impacts your game. Or like in Metal Gear Solid, when you're in a boss fight and like you lose control, like you lose your ability to control your character. So you have to unplug your controller and plug it into the other mem uh, controller slot on your PS1 to continue the battle. Like that kind of crazy shit that Hideo Kojima is like so known for. It's like, Man, like, with that kind of creativity applied to the power and the capability of Xbox and its services and platform and everything, I'm excited to see what the guy does. Now, that's all the good, the, the that's all the praise I'll say about this announcement because this is 100%, you know, where most of this conference was, here are the games you'll be playing the next 12 months on Xbox. Not a chance in hell this was included. This is this was a, a, a supplemental announcement to that. This was like, hey, the, the leaks and the rumors have been going so hard for so long, we might as well address the elephant in the room. This was definitely not their way of saying, hey guys, we got Hideo Kojima and his game will be out in seven months. That's not even close to what they're suggesting here. So definitely want to make that distinction. But obviously, this is very exciting news just to have it confirmed. Also, just because this is one less story we're going to have to read on the podcast, like monthly, like we've been doing, where it's like, all right, and Jez Corden and uh, Jeff Grubb have another rumor about the Hideo Kojima game. And yes, it's coming to Xbox. And like, we don't have to do that anymore because now it's like, ah, it's confirmed. Yes. So this is exciting. This is obviously nice confirmation. Again, there's nothing to show here, so this would have been really great supplemental news to something like an actual tangible game. But nonetheless, beggars can't be choosers. This is like, I'll take this. This is really exciting news nonetheless. And then that brings us to the very end of the show. Probably the game that 99% of you are most interested in hearing about. So maybe I probably should have put it at the top of the show, but I, I kind of blue balled you by saving it for the end. But I'm just, I, I'm not trying to do this for the retention and listenership. I'm simply doing this because this is the order in which it happened in the show. So this is two years in a row they've closed out with Starfield, but of course this year is much more exciting because we got our in-depth gameplay look. So Todd Howard came out, he pulled up a chair, he sat on it backwards, flipped his hat backwards and said, hey gamers, I'm just like you. And he, um, anyway, he, he went over a whole lot of shit. I don't know where to start with this. He went over the whole thing. This is what the game looks like. This is what the story looks like. This is where you start off on the, on the moon of this planet. So let me show you what that's like. Um, this is like when you get to an outpost on this planet, this is like another outpost. Here's what like combat looks like. Here's what interaction what looks like. Here's what character models look like. Here's what the HUD looks like. And they ended on like, here's what space uh, combat looks like. You can customize and build your own ship. Obviously, you can customize and build your own character like you can in every Bethesda game, so that's not new. And I, I, it's cool, right? It's it's uh, We got the full reveal, the full the full in-depth look. But here, here's the thing is I watched that reveal 
And just to say the positive thing first, I think Starfield looks cool. I'm, I'm interested to play the game. Now to say the honest thing that needs to be said, this game looks rough around the edges. This game, you could tell the frame rate was really rough. There's pop in. The gunplay did not look smooth and snappy at all. The ugly, the, the UI was incredibly ugly. Like it does not look pretty whatsoever to look at this game in action. And so we have another Halo Infinite in the year 2020 moment on our hands where the game looks and runs kind of like dog shit. But the difference is Halo was met with, oh yeah, this game will be out this fall. And it looks like shit. And Starfield looks like shit, but we just got word that it was delayed and now we definitely know why it's delayed. This game needs more time in the oven. So again, I'll, I'll say the same thing I said when, when we saw Halo Infinite in this state. As long as they take the time to get the game right and don't push it out in this state, I don't care. Like, I think they'll get it right. The thing with Halo is the Halo had, like, aesthetic issues, but the game looked like it was a ton of fun. Starfield looks like it's a little rough to play as well as the way it looks, so... I will say it's a little more concerning for me with Starfield because I wouldn't, like, with what we saw today, I would not want to play this game in this state. I would definitely like for it to be in the oven a little longer, which is why, you know, as as is the common conventional wisdom, delays are a good thing. I'm glad this game was delayed. I'm glad it has more time for uh, Bethesda to get it right, and I will patiently and gladly wait. My gripe has never been that Starfield needs to come out this year because we need games on Xbox to win against PlayStation. No, but it is rough for Xbox when this was your big temple game and you got nothing else in the chamber. Now, luckily, as we just went through with all the news, there are quite a handful of games coming out, nothing on the caliber or the scale of Starfield. But, you know, not shown at the show. We got Gotham Knights. We got Modern Warfare 2. We got Sonic Frontiers. Shout out to Sonic Frontiers, of course. But, you know, we got Hinge on Life. We got uh, Plague Tale Requiem. We've got Overwatch 2. We got As Dusk Falls. We got Grounded story content, like, officially being out. You know, so there's tons of good stuff, tons of stuff worth looking forward to. Well, oh, Persona, you know, so obviously there's there's more than enough to keep us busy, but it, it's, uh, it's a little sad. You know, we finally saw Starfield and it's kind of in rough shape and you're like, ah, yeah, that needed to be delayed. That was <laughs> that was the right move. But damn, that's disappointing. But I, I will say the game has me a little concerned for a couple of reasons. So it's that right. The game looks a little rough around the edges. But it's also this, they they were touting how the game will have like a thousand planets that you can explore and fly to. And that I, I don't like. Because I was already going to say, having seen this game in action, I thought it was just going to look like Fallout in space. But it looks like Fallout in space married with No Man's Sky married with Destiny. And some people say Mass Effect, which I guess I could see as well. But for me, it was like when it go when you're fighting, when you're in combat, it looks like the game wants to be Destiny. You can slide, you snap in the aiming. The guns look a little like Destiny. It's really cool. It's it, 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 like if they can really nail the gunplay and the frame rate and the in the choppiness of it and get it really pared down to a, a nice clean game. I actually think it looks really cool because it kind of looks like the game we wish Destiny was, right? Everything Destiny is, plus the ability for you to get in your ship and rather than just pick a planet and fly, you actually get to fly the ship and navigate it. So in a way, I'm like, this is a really cool game. It's kind of a game a lot of us have wanted to play for quite some time. But it doesn't look smooth. Like, Destiny's a hard one to combat, right? Because Destiny, say what you want. You don't like the story. You don't like how cumbersome it is. It's unwelcoming to newcomers. All these things are valid complaints. Destiny can be confusing and rough to get into. But there's no denying the moment-to-moment gunplay of Destiny is literally top top 0.1%. Top 0.0001% of first-person shooter games. It feels so immaculate. Because Bungie are 
physically incapable of making a first-person shooter that feels anything less than immaculate. And that's what Destiny is. So for this game to have to evoke evoke nuances and feelings of Destiny, and and then also look like it's not really nailing it, it's it's a little scary. It's a little concerning because you want to see them get it right, of course. So that's a little bit of a concern. And then the other thing is the, the No Man's Sky parallels. Now, I haven't played No Man's Sky since back when it first came out and everyone hated it. I know the game's come a long way since. I know people really adore it now. It has really good combat and exploration. It's really fully realized. I don't mean to to um I don't mean to um I don't mean to to dismiss what the game's become, but I I got to be honest and say No Man's Sky was not my game. And that game's biggest issue is that it overpromised and underdelivered. And when I hear 1,000 planets to explore, I get nervous that you're overpromising because what are the odds that Bethesda have the time to individually create 1,000 planets to explore that are fully fleshed out, fully realized, incredibly engaging to explore and, 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 and to um, navigate to and to interact with? What are the odds that that's happened? Pretty slim to none. I, I fucking doubt it. But if they said this game will have 10 planets to explore, you know, it is a massive open world game with 10 decent sized planets that you can you can fly your ship to and explore. I'd be like, fuck yes. Basically, when you add all the planets together, it's about the size of Skyrim's map, maybe a little bigger, right? I'd be cool with that. I'd be cool with that. And you let me fly my ship to them. And when I'm flying between planets, I can get into dogfights and do space combat. That's fucking awesome. And then when I fly to my planet, I can go to outposts and towns and take missions. And it can be like Elder Scrolls and Fallout in the way I've known it. But then when I get into combat scenarios, it feels kind of like Destiny. Dude, I like this game a lot. I want to play this game. And that's what Starfield is on paper. But from what we saw today, it's like, oof. I don't know, man. The game looks really rough. It doesn't look as fun to play and shoot like it does in Destiny. And then you're promising a thousand planets, which is like, uh, because I wasn't even all that impressed with the with that first moon planet that we that or I guess it's not planet, it's a moon. I wasn't very impressed with that first moon that we saw um, later when they showed other planets and other outposts that the character was on. I thought the game looked a lot better and a lot more intriguing. But that first area they were on, I was like, eh. but you got like the the big floaty jump and the slide like Destiny and like all of that looks really good. I'm like, I kind of want this in a Bethesda game, but I know Bethesda games are janky, so I'm kind of dubious of their ability to pull this off. And so I don't know. I guess seeing Starfield in action, because I'll be honest, like I. I've always wanted to play Starfield since it was announced. Um, And you guys know my story where, like, I've always wanted to love Fallout, but it never clicked with me. I've always written off and been uh, um, dismissive of of Elder Scrolls. And then last year, I finally forced myself to play Skyrim, and I fell in love with it. I thought it was a fantastic game. My expectations for Starfield have been, like, I'm definitely going to play it. I'm definitely curious to check it out. I'm not clamoring for it. It's definitely not my most anticipated game of the year. Like, like... I know for most of you, it's like it would have been really cool if Starfield could have hit its 2022 release date. I'll tell you, for me personally, I'm way more excited that we're getting Sonic Frontiers this year than I am about Starfield, you know? So, like, I have different priorities. Let's just put it that way. Um, But this game is definitely a game I was looking forward to. It's definitely a game I plan on playing. It's definitely a game I'm interested to follow along with. But as someone who wasn't necessarily, like, above and beyond stoked to finally see this game in action, it's easy for me to see it and to be like, yeah, this game definitely needs some work. I'm a little critical. The UI looks like shit. It looks like like old Fallout games, but with like this ugly 1970s space aesthetic to it that's like kind of basic text on top of all that. And I just, it looks busy, but kind of uninformative at the same time. Like nothing really stands out and tells you anything. And just like when you're shooting enemies and the way their health bar is just kind of like, 
they just feel so like choppy the way they go down. It's, like it's not a pretty look at all. Like this game, dude. By all means, like you, you're you're telling me this game's gonna be out in the first six months of 2023. Please push it into the last six months of 2023 if that's what it takes. Like take your time with this game, get it right. We can wait because what we saw today, like it, it gave a lot of reason, I believe, for for concern. But underneath that concern, I think you can t- you can see a core game that has a lot of good ideas. It looks really fun. Some of the areas look really interesting. I hope that they are able to achieve enough diversity in the planets to make it worth exploring a thousand different places. Um, and I hope they're able to really, more than anything, nail that combat. Because if I can experience like a more open world type Destiny game, like fuck yeah, I want that game. So that was Starfield for me. I don't have too much uh, nuance to add to it, um, which is why I'd love to hear from you guys. Please write in with your your opinions, your thoughts of how you went the show went, uh, thought the show went. But that, that's the show in a nutshell, guys. Now, I don't want to be done just there because there are two more... Th- Obviously, that, that was all the announcements. But there are two more things I want to acknowledge. There was a screenshot they, they showed very briefly. I don't know why the fuck they showed this so briefly because it was kind of really interesting. Because they showed this screenshot towards the end um, for like a brief second. And it's really it's actually really compelling because it puts a lot of perspective on, on the state of Xbox right now. Because they have... It's a screenshot where on the left side it shows all the major titles coming to Xbox in 2022. And on the right, it shows all the 2023 titles. And obviously it's not completely comprehensive, but it's the heavy hitters. It's the ones of serious note. And so I'm looking here at 22, you know, the last six months of this year. And despite the delay of Redfall, despite the delay of Starfield, we've got ourselves a really, a really um, serious list to look at. We've got Naraka, that that Chinese uh, 60 player battle royale that I was telling you about. I'm really excited for some DLC for Elder Scrolls as Dusk Falls. That Forza Hot Wheels DLC. Somerville's coming out, which is that other game made by the other half of developers that made Limbo and Inside. This is their new game, a little bit more in the vein of a Limbo or an Inside. Um, we've been seeing that game on and off for a couple of years now. I'm very excited to play that game. Plague Tale Requiem. I'm just skipping a couple of these just to mention the ones I'm, I'm more interested and in, familiar with. We got Warhammer 40k Dark Tide, which wasn't even at the showing today, but I'm extremely excited about that game. I think that's coming out in September. Grounded is having its full release. We got Overwatch 2. We got High on Life. We got Atomic Heart, which also wasn't at today's show, which I wish it was. That game is launching day one into Game Pass. I think it comes out in November. I am very, very excited to play that game. That is a Russian-developed game, so I'm like blown away that they're they're still on track to hit a 2022 release date despite everything going on over there. I'm very excited for that game. It looks like Russian Bioshock. It looks fucking crazy, and I really want to play it with all the robots and crazy shit going on. Very interested to see that game. Gotham Knights is coming out this year. Persona 5 Royale. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Halo Infinite is getting its Season 3 content. The Callisto Protocol is coming out this year, which I still think is getting delayed. Hogwarts Legacy. So, like, we got a lot of really cool content coming out in 2022. Like, I I can already tell you, just based on what I read there alone, not even the games that are coming to other platforms, into Xbox uh, that aren't listed on here, that's more than enough content for me. Like, I'm more than satisfied. So, again, I want to reiterate, I'm not just trying to be a bitch and be like, oh, they delayed games and they don't have any, like, they didn't show us a vow and all this stuff. Like, they really fucked it up. But, like, man, like, that that's a really robust lineup. It's just too bad that Xbox doesn't get to have that story this year where they go, Bro, we got, boom, Halo Infinite. And then 2022, boom, we got we got Starfield. They don't have that moment now. But then you look to 2023 and, you know, barring any delays, that's looking really spicy. They got Diablo 4. 
Remember, by the time Diablo 4 comes out, the Activision deal might be done. That might be an Xbox-owned studio by that point, Blizzard. Um, they got Redfall, they got Starfield, they got Forza, they got Minecraft Legends. Like, that first, those first five games, that's a great lineup. They got Stalker 2, which has officially been delayed, because remember, that was supposed to come out this year, and then that game was put on ice during, you know, because of the war happening in Ukraine. So obviously, that game doesn't have a release date right now, but it's been at least pushed into 2023. We got Wolong Fallen Dynasty coming from Nin uh, Team Ninja. You know, we got we have so many good games. We got um, Resident Evil 4 Remake is coming out, Persona 4 Golden, Replaced, which we saw... Um, at Summer Game Fest a few days ago. That game looks really good. Uh, that revitalization of that game from 2012 that never came out. And hopefully it's real because it looks good. Ravenlock, which I was talking about. Dead Space Remake is coming out. The Last Case of Benedict Fox, which a lot of you guys seem to be looking forward to. Uh, like all these games coming out next year. Listen, I'm very satisfied with the lineup for, for this year and the lineup for next year. But I just want to be, you know, I just, I think it's important that we note because... It's not so much that this showcase sucks. It's that Xbox kind of fucked this showcase two years ago when they weren't concerned with 2022 and the optics of that year. What they were concerned with is, and this is, I'm talking about 2020, what they were concerned with was, we have Xbox Series X coming out this holiday season and we want to get people hyped about it. So what did they do? When they announced the console, they announced Hellblade 2. Where the fuck is Hellblade 2? That game has been teased for years now. Where's the Hellblade 2? We, I, honestly, by now, I thought we would have gotten some serious gameplay of it. I, I, I thought that game would probably be... Now I'm thinking it's a 2023 game, but I don't know. And, and I'm just going to go down the list of Xbox-owned studios and of games that are notably Xbox. Like, where are these? Uh, I, I want to say, where's Deathloop in Ghostwire Tokyo? Now, you can assume safely that due to that deal with PlayStation, the exclusivity one-year time deal, maybe they're not allowed to talk about these games until they've been out for a year. Maybe that's why we didn't see them today, because I was expecting to see these with release dates for, for Xbox, but nope, didn't see Deathloop, didn't see Ghostwire Tokyo, so whatever. So we talked about Ninja Theory. Where are they with Hellblade 2? Where's the initiative with Perfect Dark? We've been hearing about this game all the fucking time. It's in the news all the fucking time. The initiative was formed like four or five years ago. Where are they? How is that not enough time to get a fucking working demo out the gate? And then they showed a teaser for it last year. So why did they show a teaser if they don't have anything to show us at this point? Like, wh where are we? The Coalition. What the fuck's going on with the Coalition? We're, we should have either seen Gear 6 or the Gears of War collection that's been rumored. That Master Chief collection for Gears of War. We've, there's also been rumors that the Coalition's working on a new IP. Where are they at? Where's Rare with Everwild? We know that game kind of got rebooted in mid-development. So why did they ever announce it in the first place if it wasn't even far enough for them to feel confident about the build they had? Where's Playground Games with Fable? Obviously, they announced that game prematurely because of all the leaking that happened. But, like, damn, guys. Like, don't say anything. <laughs> like, what, like what? this is... Is this what just happened with Kojima? Where it's like, we're just, you know... I guess the Kojima one's a little different. Because they're all they're really announcing is that they're working with Kojima. They're not even announcing that they got a game out the door. Rare straight up gave us a fucking tonal piece for Everwild. Where is that game? Playground gave us a, to a cinematic for Fable. Why would you do that if you're so far away from having anything to show? Obsidian. I really thought Obsidian could have been there today with Avowed, but apparently that game is also way further um, uh, down the road than we thought it was. Obviously, we know Outer Worlds 2 isn't going to be around for a long time, but we know they're working on that because for some reason they announced it. Prematurely, they did. 343, like, that game is supposed to be a, 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 Halo Infinite is supposed to be a games as a service. So where's an update on the first expansion? You know, if we're supposed to compare Halo Infinite to Destiny, look at, look at Destiny, man. By this time in its, in its life cycle for the first Destiny game, we were all getting hyped about the Taken King. 
You know, the first big expansion, the thing that really helped turn Destiny around. Where is Halo Infinite's version of the Taken King? No? We just got one map in a fucking full 12-month calendar year? Okay. Undead Labs. Why did we learn about State of Decay 3? What was the point of that? If it's been years now and we just no update on State of Decay. Compulsion Games. There's been so many rumors on that game they've been working on. It sounds very interesting. I'd love to see it. They've, they've been owned by Microsoft for like four or five years now and it's no update. Okay. Machine Games. We know they're working on an Indiana Jones game. What, what's up with that? Did we just prematurely announce that because you guys penned a deal with, with Disney and now you want to excitedly announce it even though you're many years away from having anything to talk about? Okay. In Exile, we don't, they've been owned by Xbox for a while now. We don't, we don't know what they're working on. Obviously, they put out a game not too, not too long ago. But again, I'm just saying like, finally, we got id. There was rumors about id making a Quake reboot kind of in the vein of what they did with Doom, but now doing it to Quake. And again, I... <laughs> I'm not I'm not here to say what the fuck in XL, you guys should have a game by now. That's no excuse. I'm not mad at the developers. I'm not I don't care. Take your time. You know, if if Hellblade 2 is gonna take another five years to make, then take five years. I don't care. Don't release until it's ready. I'm not saying force it out the door. But what I'm saying is, what's going on at Team Xbox, man? Like, you've acquired so many teams over the past five years. I just named a billion developers. Remember back in the day when we talk about Xbox and it was like the joke of like Forza Gears Halo, Forza Gears Halo. Like look at where we are now. Xbox owns so many fucking developers and I feel like we're still getting the same amount of first party output that we got back in those days when it was just Gears, Forza, and Halo. And so the concern, like again, I, I, I don't want to be misconstrued in what I'm trying to say here. I'm not aggravated that these games aren't out sooner. What I'm aggravated at, I guess, is one that Xbox is clearly doing a really poor job at managing these studios because like fucking compulsion games like what's what's their excuse and i'm not blaming the developer again i'm blaming management whose job was it to like figure out what they're developing give them a timeline help help manage and give them the proper teams to get that team get that development studio on the road to making a game like where are they like what why is hellblade 2 taking so long with ninja theory so that's kind of on xbox with poor management and the second thing i think is that it's on xbox because they fucking announced these games you know, I'm not as mad with the Coalition, because they never announced Gear 6. The Gears Collection is just a rumor. You know, the, the new IP they're working on, that's just a rumor. So I can't be mad at the, you know, the Coalition. I can't even be mad at Microsoft. They, no one ever said anything, you know? These are just rumors. And, and obviously, an assumed inevitability with Gear 6. But, like, I don't know, man. You have so many fucking developers. Where are we? What's, what's going on? Why did you show us so many CGI trailers for Hellblade, for Perfect Dark, for Everwild, for Fable, for Avowed, for Outer World 2, for State of K3, for Indiana Jones? These are all accurate things that have happened in the past few years. Why did you so, show us all these trailers? If two years down the road, I'm looking at the list of games coming out this year and next year, and none of those games are on the list. Not a single one of them. I'm looking at the 2023 roadmap, not the 2022 roadmap. So why the hell do I not see like Avowed or Hellblade at the very least on here? So I I, I guess again I'm not, this isn't anger directed towards like I'm not it's not like I'm an entitled fan I need these games now I can wait I don't care I'm not mad at the developers but I'm saying what is happening at Team Xbox that you you own so much more talent than you once had a few years ago but your output looks the same as ever I think that's a concern and now your show looks weak. Because you just talked about the next 12 months of Xbox 
And yeah, you got some really great games in here, and I'm really excited about some of these games, but like, what about all these other heavy hitters? Why did you ever, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to repeat myself anymore, but damn, like there's all those rumors about that GoldenEye 007 remaster, and Banjo-Kazooie is getting a revival. And I kept telling myself, I'm like, I'm, no, that's not happening. I'm not believing it. Actually, with the GoldenEye remaster, I don't care. I, I have no nostalgia for GoldenEye. So for me, I was like, yeah, I hope it happens. I, people will be really excited about that. I hope it happens. And I really expected that to be the case. Achievements have been leaking for it. I'm like, fuck yeah, that's probably happening. But nope, it wasn't here today. Banjo-Kazooie. God, man, I really I love Banjo-Kazooie so much, I really wish. But nope, we didn't see it today. Instead, we got, uh, you know, we finally got uh, Pentiment. No disrespect to those developers, but like, damn, man. So I guess that's that's why I say I thought the showing was a little weak. And it kind of is similar to what I said last year with last year's show, which is like, they talked about a lot of really cool games. But I don't want you every summer to be like, uh, for, don't look at all the games we talked about last year. Forget those. Look over here. Look at these new games. It's like, dude, just just talk about the actual games that are coming. Whatever the games that are actually coming are, I want I want you to talk about those games. And that's what they did right this year because they they prefaced these are all games coming out in the next twelve months. So I like I, I'm okay that I'm a little disappointed with what games we saw if it means that these are realistically the games we're going to get. But it's frustrating for right now because I know for the past couple of years you've been lying to me and just trying to sell me a fucking subscription service in a box by talking about games that aren't going to be around until my grandchildren are in college. And that's... It's, I'm not, it's not even really that I'm even frustrated. It's just like, I don't know, man. This is a bad look for Xbox, you know? I, I'll be honest. Like, I, you know, I, I always get on my high horse on this podcast. I'm like, fuck the corporations. Corporations don't care about you. Communist China is buying their way into the games market. Like, watch out, guys. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about how corporations and businesses do. I just want employees who work for these companies to be paid so they can take care of themselves and their families. But like, I don't know, I, I care about Xbox, maybe more than I should or I like to admit. You know, Xbox is a brand that has a lot of, a lot of maybe arbitrary, but nonetheless sentimental value to me. I want to see Xbox do well because the, if Xbox is doing well, it means they can continue to fund these awesome developers and make excellent games that I can enjoy. And and I can continue to see this brand that I arbitrarily and maybe don't necessarily need to, but nonetheless do identify with, continue to thrive and do well. And it's like, cool. I, I can continue to look forward to more great games on this platform I love. But I, I don't really feel that way when you're just announcing everything under the fucking sun and then it just becomes vaporware. Like, Xbox, I love you. But uh, you're, on the, you're on the track to becoming like Bioware. I don't want to see that happen here, man. Don't, do not make the initiatives reboot of Perfect Dark become like Dragon Age 4, where you're like, oh, we finally have new details. Here's a sketch art concept of what uh, Joanne Dark's butthole looks like. And I'll be like, fuck you, show me the gameplay. I don't want to get to that point. So like, come on, you know, figure it out. And I guess the bigger thing is at this point, it's not even that I want to see gameplay. It's that I want to see someone at Xbox, like admit they fucked up. Be like, yo, we showed a lot of games we shouldn't have way too early. Sorry, these games will come out when they come out. But we want to let you know going forward, we're not going to make that mistake anymore. We're not going to announce the game unless we feel like it's no more than two years away. Like if, if Phil Spencer or Matt Booty came out and said that, I'd be like, okay, cool. All's forgiven. We're good. You know, like going forward, we will not announce another game unless it is no more than 24 months away from being released into your hands. If, if, if Matt Booty or Phil Spencer could say that seriously to us and be like, we're sorry, we fucked up, but that's our promise to you going forward. I would be like, hands are clean of the situation, 100% good. We're good. But the problem is we're all left to kind of guess and wonder because they did the bad thing and now they're trying to do the good thing, but they're not admitting it. Anyway, so overall, I I don't know. 
it's cool. Like, like I can't complain. Today, as an Xbox fan, I got to learn about a bunch of cool games that I'm going to play. We're finally getting Persona on Xbox. Uh, Team Ninja's working on a really cool game I'm excited to give a try to. You know, despite Starfield and Redfall, especially because Redfall looks so fucking cool. You know, despite those games not coming this year, there's still so many games I'm looking forward to this year. So I'm not I'm not distraught or disappointed. It's really all, all comes down to me with about how Microsoft has decided to message and communicate because they're so good at being good to their fans, man. Like, they're so good at it. You know, they, they made this, and, and you saw on the show, they, they made the effort to make sure, hey, we're showing gameplay, not CGI trailers. Hey, we're only talking about games that are coming out in the next 12 months, not five years from now. That's really good feedback. That's real. That's a really good uh, change. That's that's them responding to feedback from their fans, and I appreciate that. And they're the, they're the kings, when it comes to games, Xbox are the kings of, of taking care of their audience and listening to our feedback and, and, and doing the right thing. So it's like, Wow, why do they gotta drop the ball so hard on this one thing? But anyway, that was the uh, that was the showcase, guys. That's it, top to bottom. I think we're done with all of that now. I, I have a couple questions from you guys, the audience that I've written in. I, I solicited some questions on Twitter and on YouTube. Um, I'm gonna go actually pause right now. I'm gonna check my phone. I uh, tried to give you guys as much time as possible to write in, and I'm gonna gather what all we do have here for questions and comments, and then I will re uh, I'll stitch this into the end of the show, and we will go through everyone's comments and questions and thoughts. I'm excited to see. Hopefully, hopefully I don't open my phone and find out that no one responded, uh, but I'm excited to hopefully see what you guys had to say about the show. All right, this actually worked out quite well. I uh, right before I hit record, I just tweeted out and post on YouTube. I was like, please give me comments so I don't have. Uh, no one to talk to on my podcast and a couple of you guys did and so here we got some comments so this uh thank you thank you guys you guys make this show uh not miserable to do thank you i genuinely mean it so we have six comments uh to go off of a couple from twitter a couple from facebook and let's just start out kind of the order that they were received or roughly in the order they were received anyway starting with the youtube comments mr mojo jojo writes in says diablo iv diablo iv diablo iv diablo iv then star so this guy really likes that new uh, Diablo IV. Yeah, I assume this is going to be a reoccurring theme where a lot of people are going to be on team. Holy shit, Starfield look cool, Diablo look cool. Dead Captain James, the OG and possibly favorite child of the show, writes in and says, I'm just curious what your game of the show was. Diablo and Starfield really saved the show for me. The whole middle of the show was a snooze fest. I don't understand Xbox's obsession with strategy and RTS games. See, there we go again. The, the Diablo and Starfield, there we go. Yeah, I mean, Diablo and Starfield, I think, are, for most people, are going to be the uh, the big ones. For myself, uh, give me like 10 seconds to think about it, because I, I had a list a second ago. I think I already mentioned it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have a, dude, I have a bad three. And I feel like it might, mine might change once I play some of these games, but I think right now, just in terms of ones that got me hyped the most, and I love Diablo. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't say I love Diablo. I like Diablo quite a bit. I have a lot of fun with Diablo. It's one of those weird franchises where, like, when I play it, I really enjoy it, but it's never anything I clamor for. So I know I'll enjoy a lot of Diablo 4 once I finally play it, but finally seeing it didn't make me any more or less excited for it. It just reminded me that it exists and that I will inevitably play it when it comes out. For me, I would say... In no particular order, my top three were... God, I can't believe one of these is actually fucking DLC. But <laughs> Redfall, Forza Horizon 5 Hot Wheel DLC, and Persona 4 and 5 finally coming to Xbox, I would say. Because Redfall, like, when they first teased it last year, remember they only did the CG trailer, so we didn't actually know what the fuck the game was, and then we were supposed to just assume it was coming out this year. Um, I was very hopeful that it had some Left 4 Dead DNA in it. And then with... Back for Blood, just dropping the ball so hard. And then the Anacrusis being a really good foundation, but just totally under budget and underdeveloped kind of take and a little bit of a dated take on, on Left 4 Dead. That ended up not really hitting the mark. So I'm really 
hungry for this freaking Left 4 Dead successor. And honestly, so far, uh, that new um, Evil Dead game has been the closest thing for me as something to replace that. But yeah, between that and War Warhammer, which is about to come out in a few months, that also looks like a really good Left 4 Dead-esque game. But um, no, Red Redfall just looks so good. And I think it has the potential to disappoint me because I might be looking at it too much in the light of something that it isn't. Something that it, it like Left 4 Dead is a part of its DNA, but it is not the full, the full picture. So I, I definitely need to come to terms with that but it looks like such a good game i'm really excited to play it um so definitely redfall and then dude i'm just a sucker for hot wheels shit i think hot wheels is so cool half of my wardrobe is just hot wheels t-shirts let me play as a hot wheel and forza again that I, i'll just take that please and thank you also with just so many to me like just mild to moderate announcements it's it really isn't hard for hot wheels to take this so yeah i'd say that and then and then dude persona i really didn't think i know there have been rumors but i really truly did not think we were going to get persona on xbox because it had just been so long at this point that i'm like whatever it is it's like sony sony has some dirt on sega and atlas like they 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 know like someone who cheated on someone or something like that because there's like the, the fact that it's just taken so noxiously long to get persona titles on xbox has just made me feel like someone is is preventing it from happening rather than it being like the the conversation hasn't been initiated or whatever but yeah i mean that even though it was rumored and i know there's some people who are borderline just like yeah it's happening i don't know man like i'm pretty damn pumped to see that we're getting persona finally on xbox i definitely want to play persona 5 so that's uh unfortunately i got a weeby answer for you i like children's toys shooting uh monsters and, and vampires in the face and anime girls apparently that's that's what i'm excited for thanks for writing dead captain james compassionate choice LLC, which means limited liability, cock writes in and says, the showcase was good, not great, but good. It's nice they only focused on releases in the next 12 months, even if half of them got delayed or get delayed. Compassion Choice, it, that's exactly that's exactly right. Literally just stole, this is this comment here is the TLDR of, of the entire podcast, actually. Compassion Choice, way, way to really condense it all into two sentences. Um, but you continue on, you said, it was really <laughs> dirty how they threw Halo under the bus for Flight Sim, and they yanked the rug out from all other Halo fans. Yeah, you could kind of, I, I guess, dude, I didn't even think about it. The only Halo we saw was when they announced that they were putting a Halo Pelican in Flight Simulator. You're right. That is, that is disappointing. I wasn't, I wasn't like certain that we were going to get Halo Infinite news, like a first look at whatever the first campaign expansion was going to be. That wasn't something that I was like, oh, that's a given. I'm 100% expecting it. But I was still a little surprised that we didn't see that because again, and it's like, I mean, why should we be surprised at this point? The way Halo Infinite's been handled is just so incredibly poor. Um, and again, I don't want to put that blame all on 343. I think a lot of that probably, it's the same complaint we're having with all these other things, which is, I think it's management from Xbox is completely fucked. But it's your live service Halo game, man. A year into the game, you should probably have some kind of update on where we go next with story content. It's just how, it's how these things work, man. You've released a... A games as a service Halo title in the year 2021. Destiny carved out what that should look like, uh, like seven years ago. So I don't, I don't understand your excuse. You have, you have the backing of Microsoft, but apparently, again, that's not, that's not me talking to 343. That's me talking to Xbox. I think that was poor management. That was developing the game on contract work and not paying the money to keep people there and incentivizing people to stay on the project. That was poorly managed. So. Very disappointing. Cronky, my brother, wrote in and says, Using my sixth sense, I know you're going to be fairly negative on the show, so I'm going to just point out some positives. For me, the show was a 9 out of 10. And his by his sixth sense, he means he, he and myself were arguing back and forth via text about you know me bitching about things and him defending things. Um, let's be honest. Cronky's the X-Bot, so... 
don't listen to him. But uh, no, he said, I have six positives. Number one, Redfall looks incredible. Best thing showed in the entire presentation. I agree. I agree completely, actually. Number two, High on Life looks really fun and charming. Love the guns talk to you and have unique abilities, and it's not just a pistol, shotgun, AR, etc. I agree that it's cool. It's unique. It has a lot of Ratchet and Clank qualities to it with the guns being ridiculous, and it has a lot of Oddworld Stranger's Wrath kind of influence in it. I just worry that it's obnoxious because I really don't enjoy the humor of Rick and Morty, and I... It feels like you're listening to uh to whatever one the kid is. I think I think Morty's the little one. I don't know, but it sounds like you're listening to him. They all talk the same. Oh Morty. Oh man. <laughs> Terrible impression. Number three, the riot thing is big news that I don't care much about. Yeah, that's kind of how I put it too. It is big news because it also just kind of let let your imagination run wild. That is just one example of things Xbox can do in the future to try and grow Xbox Game Pass. Think outside the box of just like putting more games on Xbox. Like it, it can go broader than that. Number four, every update is to a live service game was boring. Yes, except Hot Wheels, you bastard. Five, the Civilization knockoff looks cool as does Minecraft. The Civilization, Civilization knockoff is made by the people who made Civilization. Uh, that's why it looks like that. And yes, Minecraft looks great. And six, finally, Flintlock and As Dusk Falls, Benedict Fox, Pentiment, etc., all look freaking cool. They picked the best of the smaller devs to show in this presentation, and I'm pumped for it. I agree with some of those things you said. Look at that, Kronk. You thought I was going to be all, all negative about everything. I agree with your number one. I mostly agree with your number two. I agree with your number three. I agree with your number four, uh, except I'm more positive on your number four than you are. I agree with your number five, except the civilization part, because I don't care about games like that. And on number six, we disagree, because you like old medieval paintings and playing those in games because you're an old medieval boring man but that's it for our youtube comments a couple of you guys wrote in on twitter i guess on twitter you guys wanted to talk more about activision blizzard and less so about the actual presentation itself but i think it's still somewhat relevant and pertinent so hey bmx guy 987 writes in and says with the activision blizzard acquisition do you think some of those games will ever get moved over to game pass yes i think Everything will get moved to Game Pass. I think absolutely everything will go to Game Pass. Uh, Game Pass is the reason for Xbox today. So, yeah. The bigger question is whether or not um, some of those games will go to... Uh, which games will go multi-platform and which ones won't because some will be exclusive to Xbox and PC and some will still remain multi-platform like in the case of Call of Duty where they still go to PlayStation. But as far as Game Pass, everything goes to Game Pass. If the Let's say hypothetically the Activision Blizzard deal is inked and done by this time next year before Diablo comes out, before the next Call of Duty comes out, although that should be in two years because hopefully we're getting two-year cycle, as, as the rumor suggests, uh, you know, before, I guess, they don't really make other other games anymore, so I guess it's just those two. Those games will just immediately go into Game Pass, no questions asked. Uh, Wade Lau also writes in on Activision and says, Why do you think Activision has become such a paid-to-play, microtransaction-heavy, bloated piece of shit? Well, Wade Lau, thank you for writing in. I, I, I think, so here's the thing about Activision. I'm not trying to like defend poor Activision, but I, I do try to be realistic about the reality of the situation. At the end of the day, like Activision has been around for a long ass time. They're one of the OGs in the games industry. Those guys know what they're doing. Like obviously Bobby Kotick is a piece of shit, but there's no denying he is the right man for the job in terms of making money and, and, and pleasing shareholders and, and justifying and building and making Activision a reputable uh, video game publisher. And the thing is, it's like, I think Activision, much like EA, I think they both get kind of similar, similarly thrown into this boat where it's like, they're perfect examples of game publishers that are operated 
purely as businesses. You look at like a guy like Bobby Kodak, it's like, yeah, he's been involved with video games since the early, early days of, of gaming, but he's not really like a gamer, right? You know, it's like Activision is run by business people who have an understanding and, and intelligent people surrounding them who have a read on the games industry and they know how to how to really monetize and, and capitalize on what's going on in gaming, but they're not gamers themselves. So they're able to remove that heart aspect of like, what do gamers want? What would be a really cool game to play? And they're able to be like, ah, uh -uh, we're a publicly traded company. We're, we're purely capitalistic. We're just here to make money. So they're able to look at it and be like, we got this thing. It's called Call of Duty. It makes money. We charge 70 bucks for it. And then they give us battle pass money every every two months. And that that makes them happy. They got they got these games on the phone and you buy it and you make candy bars and match up and then you get points and then you spend money in real life to get more points for candy bars and all this shit. And you call it Candy Crush Saga and fuck you, it prints money. And I, I it's nothing malicious, you know? It's just I think companies like Activision are very bottom line driven because they're very much moved and, and run by their, their gamers. Yeah, or sorry, by, by their by their leaders, by their business leaders. And so uh not not gamers. So I think that's that's why. And, and and they found success in it. So it's like, can you fault Activision? Like you gotta think from Activision's perspective, it's like, yeah, Diablo Immortal comes out, it's microtransaction ridden, and it seems like from the perspective of a consumer that people hate the game because everyone's trashing it on Twitter. Every review on iTunes is bad. IGN and Kotaku are writing articles about how disappointing the game is for gamers. But at the end of the day, when you're Activision and you're be you're the bean counters trying to figure out which way the wind blows to make the most money, IGN is a fucking speck of dirt on the bottom of your shoe, you know? A bunch of little bitchy gamers on Twitter complaining that your Diablo mobile game is a piece of shit. Those are insignificant little, little ants. You don't care about them. Because what you care about is... Well, how's the game performing? And you look at the analytics and you look at the sales and you're like, shit, this game's been downloaded 10 million times in like five days. Shit, we've already made $8.3 trillion or the, uh, the, the, the wealth of a small European nation in like four days on this fucking mobile game. And that's what they look at. And they're just like, oh yeah, well, we'll fuck the noise. Fuck the gamers, you know? It's the same, same thing with Disney. Like, like I, 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 listen, I can't, we can't do this this podcast without me mentioning Disney. Disney fans are always bitching and moaning about like, why is Disney so expensive now? Why did they get rid of this ride I loved? Why did they why did they change this policy my family used to love? It's like because Disney is no longer a company run by Walt Disney, some passionate man child who wanted to make a happy place for kids and, and, and adults young at heart to go and enjoy and have a magical time. It's run by people who are bean counters and look at money and numbers and data and they go oh, so if we raise the price on this product, people will still pay for it anyway, but we'll make more money. It's that perfect point where it's justifiable to raise the point the price. And we'll still make money, okay. If we get rid of this service that a lot of fans like, we'll make more money because it will be less expenditure on that. And it's just one of those things where it's like, we think that we represent the voice of the consumer, but we don't. Fans don't represent that. And so Activision and EA, they look like these big evil corporations because they make all these quote-unquote anti-consumer moves, and they are anti-consumer, and it sucks. But they're still being rewarded with money. So I guess from their perspective, it's like, fuck you. <laughs> it's It sounds malicious, and I guess it kind of is. Or it's not really malicious. It's It sounds malicious, but it's just really that we, we are talking one way to these people, and they're not looking at us. Their focus is on something else. 
And that's what sucks. That, that's what's so refreshingly, surprisingly great about Xbox is that Xbox should, by all means, be terrible. Activision should be, or Xbox should be just as bad, if not worse, than Activision and EA. Because a- Xbox is literally just like, there's these passionate guys at Microsoft who wanted to do this gaming initiative. They somehow made it happen. And then the company took it on and continued on. And we're like, cool, let's make money off this gaming division. And it should have become this thing where big old corporate, uninvolved, uninitiated, uh, like just non-gamer related tech company was just like, uh, video games, those are for stupid kids. How do we make the most money? How do we exploit them? But somehow at Xbox and at Microsoft, they've kept the right people in charge, especially with Phil Spencer at the helm. These people who are genuinely gamers who actually like and understand gaming to where there is enough of a of a control and a pulse there where they're just like, ah, we can't do that. That's, that's, that, that's a bad move, you know? And they know, and that's why it seems like Xbox cares and Xbox gets it because it's, it's a company that's run by suits and ties. Don't get me wrong, but there's suits and ties that are also gamers and that get gaming, you know, it, PlayStation, PlayStation wouldn't be able to do what they do if they didn't have the goodwill of the gamer, right? Because who would want to buy their fucking hardware? Who would want to subscribe to their service if they treat you like horseshit and then Xbox and Nintendo treated you like like you're the like you're royalty. So, you know, that's it's a little different for companies like that. And they can be, you know, careless corporations sometimes, but Activision companies like Activision and EA get the most free reign to do it because, you know, they they're just making the thing that sells money. It's like, yeah, people bitch and moan about EA, but guess what? There is a massive group of people who are going to buy FIFA and Madden every year, whether you like it or not, whether you think Call of Duty is boring and tired and redundant at this point, there is a group of people who will buy that game every fucking year with or without you. And that's why they're like that. It's just, it's, it's what happens. The pro I mean, I mean, if you want to know the problem, the problems of publicly traded corporations pretending it's about the consumer, but it's really just about rich people who have all the money and all the say and everything. I mean, that unfortunately that's how it goes. So, and then they lie to you and tell you that you can make a difference by investing in companies as if like you're fucking tiny middle-class American, uh, $1,000 investment in a corporation is going to make a difference. But long story short, yeah, they're just, they're, they're just companies trying to make money. It's, uh, it's, there's no mean intention. It's just obviously very, uh, it's very dismissive of, of the consumer and of what they ultimately would want, because that's not what ultimately affects their bottom line. And, and in the rare instance, when it does affect their bottom line, that's when you see change, you know? You know, like, like people bitched and moaned about Call of Duty for years and years and years and years, and it kept selling like crazy. Modern Warfare 2019, best-selling Call of Duty today. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, people bitch about it, but it was a one of the better-selling Call of Duties of all time. Call of Duty Vanguard, it's one of the worst-selling Call of Duties ever. And so that shot a signal to Activision, people need you to stop at annualizing Call of Duty. People are tired of World War II Call of Duty. People are tired of the fucking like virtue signaling bullshit that um, whatever that they do in in these World War II Call of Duties where they try to pretend Nazis aren't real or whatever. You know, it's like people people don't like that. And Activision responded because they made a lot less money last year on Call of Duty. So now they're like, okay, two year dev cycle or two year uh, release cycles. Okay, yep, you got it because it affected their bottom line. And at the end of the day, they're just they answer to shareholders, not fanboys. So way the allow. Thank you for writing in. Hey, thank you to everyone for writing in. Um, I assume we'll probably get more comments over the week about today's showcase. But all in all, I don't know. I don't know how how negative I sound. I feel like I must articulate myself poorly because a lot of people, when when I talk to them, 
feel like I was more negative than I intended to come across, but I, I don't know. It was a fine showing. Plenty of games for me to be excited for. The future of Xbox still looks very bright. I'm still very satisfied with this platform. I think there's a little something for everyone at the very least. And one thing there's no denying here is Xbox Series X is a great piece of kit. It's a really awesome console. It is a fantastic thing to own if you want to play really great games. And Xbox Game Pass is without a doubt the best value possibly have in, in, in gaming period. $15 a month, you get your Xbox Live and your Game Pass and everything all rolled into one, and you get access to so many amazing games. You know, whether Starfield comes out today or next year, who gives a shit? The, the, the service is still great. The console's still great. And more great shit is on the way. I just uh, I wish Xbox maybe would keep it in their pants a little more. That is, is all. But um, ultimately, you know, whatever. It was a fun show. It is much better than there not being any show this year, which is uh, what the case would be if you were most other fan groups. Because <laughs> Xbox is like really the only one who's super dedicated to doing it every fucking year, which may, might be uh, might be to their detriment in some cases. But. Yeah, it's exciting. It's fun. It's fun stuff to look forward to. But that's going to do it for our long episode of Xbox on releasing on a Monday. And like I said, um, we will do a Thursday show if for some reason there's enough news on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday to justify doing a Thursday show. But uh, otherwise, assume that this is the show for this week and we will be back next week on Thursday um, so a little bit of an extended wait between episodes, but technically you're still getting an episode every week. It's just the days are a little shifted uh, for last week and this week. So I apologize uh, for the inconvenience if so, but obviously you want to be timely with this information. So I, I know most of you guys totally understand and you guys are pretty reasonable people, at least more reasonable than I am. So thank you so much all for listening and for being here and supporting the show. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, love your feedback. So feel free to comment in youtube.com slash Xbox on podcast. Feel free to follow me on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Lightning Extreme will be live this Monday. Uh, so the day this show goes live will be live tonight. Um, every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And then if you ever want to get with me personally, you can follow me on, on Twitter at Jesse DeRosa or on Instagram. I don't know what my Instagram name is. It's probably Jesse DeRosa or some variant of that. I don't know. But thank you guys all so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. I hope you all take care. You stay safe, play lots of great games. And uh, until next week, power your dreams.